Hey guys, welcome to episode 17 of Fly Cool Shit. Uh, just a quick thing before we get started here. Uh, we have Nigel Hopkins on for this episode, which was incredible. Uh, it was so much fun to talk to him. We spent maybe two hours, a little over two hours talking to him and, and uh, asking him questions, most notably his uh, 2015 bailout before uh, WAC. Um, we were plagued with audio problems this podcast. Uh, Nigel is currently in holiday uh, and did not have access to a laptop, so I had to find a program to record a uh, voice over IP that would work on an iPad or a mobile device. And uh, it didn't work out as great as we had hoped. There was a couple drop calls, um, you know, throughout the uh, the interview, but the meat and potatoes are, are still here. So without further ado, episode 17, welcome Nigel Hopkins. Welcome to Fly Cool Shit. Fly Cool Shit. A podcast about flying cool shit. Join us weekly where we talk about aerobatics, warbirds, tailwheel flying, unique aircraft, and much, much more. Let's start the show. You're cleared into the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 17 of Fly Cool Shit with Mark and Jeff. Jeff, what's up, dude? Hey, Mark. What's going on? Another day in paradise, brother. You want to uh, hey. tell the listeners who we have today? Not really. I just want to keep them all to myself. I got a total man crush on him. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe we just, it's so good. I don't even want to, it's not even like fair that. We have this, and we're gonna give it away to the to the public. I mean, it's just such a. Uh, I can't even put it into words. I mean, I already started drinking. It's it's one o'clock in New York, and I'm like two scotches deep, <laughs> and uh, it's the only way I can relax. I'm like twitching right now. What are you drinking? I'm very excited. Uh, I, I've got I've got uh, Irish coffee, dude. Oh my it's, god! It's too early for full full blown, but you know it's cold. Is that why you I'm have such a magnificent beard? Like you have some nice facial hair. Oh, thanks. Thanks. It's that's, like total five o'clock shadow. Yeah, it's sexy. Yeah, yeah. You get that one so, millimeter, one millimeter shaver. You know, should we? Yeah. Should we just have uh, our guests say hi and maybe say a sentence, and then maybe they could guess who it is? Well, they're going to see the episode title anyway. But I know um, it's such a dead that game. That actually gives it all away. Yeah. So say hi, man. Hey, Mark, uh, Jeff. It's good to be uh, chatting to you guys, and uh, it's a little bit later here. It's eight o'clock in the evening, so I, I'm legally drinking, and I've got a good glass of red because uh, down where I live, red wine is uh, is the best, certainly in the world. So you can certainly guess oh where gosh. I'm from. There. Holy oh shit! It's Nigel Hopkins. Holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I could talk to you about uh, African, uh, the, the, the South African wine region all day but we'll, we'll try to stick the airbags i i've only like, it's hard to get a hold of uh south african reds in the united states uh, but you, you see it every now and again but i'm jealous yeah hey mark did you know that nigel was like a wino or, or are you guys going to talk about because no. mark nigel mark's a uh a, a somalian pirate what do you call that thing that you are somalian pirate yeah i'm a somalian <laughs> pirate <laughs> a uh, somalia <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not as not as young as I used to be, so uh, I've gone for the good stuff now to try and preserve me a little bit. So, uh, where, are you, Nigel, where are you at right now? Where are you on holiday? I'm actually right down on the beach in Durban, so um, it's nice and warm. 
we're sitting here at about uh, 28 degrees Celsius. Oh, it's a free I don't even know what that is, but it's nice and warm here in the evening and having a great time. Oh my God, yeah. you're throwing the Celsius term at me. Don't you know that I can't even spell? <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> um, shit, so how long are you there for? Uh, another week, and then uh, heading back up to Johannesburg and and uh, kids back to school, and, and life carries on. But uh, I'm sure you, you guys are all uh, affected by this COVID, so we, we're fairly locked down at the moment. Uh, I say yeah. locked down, but uh, restricted movement and, and, and curfew times and stuff, so... It's yeah. good to be uh, able to spend some time down here, at least. Do you guys yeah. do the mask there, too? Yep. Yeah, we, all, we all masked up and uh, pretty limited on, on movement and, uh, and and times. Yeah. I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but somebody sent me a funny <laughs> video the other day. It was um, up here in New York or somewhere. There was some guy, someone, some woman was singing, and they had some figure skaters in the background, and it's cold. So as they were figure skating, you saw all the smoke from their mouth going out of the mask into each other. <laughs> <So> <laughs> kind of just for, what maybe it was just the mask they were wearing, but it was just a total like shit show. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, it's crazy times. For sure. yeah. It is crazy times. Are you flying down there at all? Are you just are you taking a break, um, or is well, this a seasonal? I, thing I am actually you... flying again. I, you know, my my airline is pretty much gone under, so uh, I've been. Out of work for six to, to eight months and uh, just managed to start up with one of the low-cost guys here. So I'm uh, back in a Boeing from Airbus. So a bit of a change, but uh, good to oh, be flying again I, and up in the sky. Know, I send my condolences because uh, I I'm I fly the Airbus and I'm going to have to fly the 7-3 here pretty soon. And uh, so I feel your pain about going from Airbus to Boeing. Yeah, back in the submarine, you know, but... Uh, it's uh it's good to fly again so I'm not oh my god you airline pilots just complain about you guys fly for like a minute and then you just put you just button this button that you're literally such babies oh my god we just we just scared we have to go and work again you know so yeah, yeah I don't, we have to complain yeah. a little bit yeah, yeah I don't work. Mark, mark's waiting for the auto takeoff button you already got the auto land he needs auto takeoff <laughs> And then he's going to, this is going to be Mark Pollard. He's going to have, you know, he's got an alarm that's kind of automatic, right? Then he's going to get a Tesla. It's going to have auto drive to the airport. And then he's going to have to like walk to the airplane and it's auto take off, auto fly, auto land, and then back in the Tesla home. <laughs> he's just the, not going to do anything. The more I just sip coffee and not work, the better. That's, that's ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to sit oh back and God. collect a paycheck and drink coffee. I miss those. Now, did you guys used to do that in South Africa, Nigel, where like, I remember as a kid in America, we did, you know, you go to the cockpit, you get some wings. It was like a, it was a, a lot of fun. I I have like four, my four or five memories from that. It was really cool. Did you guys do that? Yeah, th- those were good times, I guess, you know, with yeah. uh, post 9-11, obviously that was all restricted and, and things changed and it took a bit of the fun out of it. But yeah, I grew up like that and grew up in aviation. So I spent a lot of time. So you must have like a lot of, I mean... Probably thousands. You probably had to had to uh, you you know thousand kids or whatever thousands of kids came to the cockpit. And you may have a uh, you know uh, influenced them to go flying. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I hope so. You know, that's that's the whole idea, I guess, behind that. And, and uh, you know, our yeah, youth obviously was getting the good looking ladies up front too. But uh, that was another story. That's yeah, it's <laughs> the two best things, right? Uh, you know. I don't know. American Airlines, American Airlines, not the actual company, but like just all airlines in America, there's no hot flight attendants anymore. I don't know what happened. The last holdout was Virgin America. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were, they, they did a good job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's the benefit of short-term contracts versus the long-term contracts, I guess. 
Yeah, I guess so. So, but so you fly. You obviously everybody knows uh, you fly airbags and stuff. Um, you flying anything else just to uh, have fun, like any any cubbin or uh, oh, whatever I can. I've um, I fortunately have a, an RB eight awesome. with my with my father that uh, that he built, and we fly that a bit. And uh, I had the pleasure of flying an AN two up and down the beach yesterday, and, and a Yak fifty two. Oh, so sweet. whatever I can get my hands on. So I just that's what I wanted to flying. ask you. You actually, I was thinking about this last night, Mark, and I forgot. I totally, you just reminded me. So that Antonov, that biplane Antonov, the AN2, what is the, like, what motors, like, what does that thing fly like? That thing looks like a lot of fun. Ah, it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's a, it's a big Tiger Moth, you know. It's just, it's yeah. slow and, it, and a docile and it really is, I mean, it's got, it's got lots of power and, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's just a big tiger moth. Similar Is it thing happens. You, know, you, you, move, you move the controls and you, you look at your calendar and wait for things to happen. And it's, um, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, I have, I have some bad fun. news. What? I have some bad news, Jeff. You're the only one uh, out of the three of us that has not flown an AN2. Oh, you might. I thought you were going to say like your audio is not coming through. We have to. We just missed all that. I literally, my heart just sank. <laughs> you flew, Mark. You flew an AN2. Where? Yeah, years ago uh, here uh, in the Bay Area, there was um, there's one still floating around, but there was a couple uh, back in the day, and um, got a chance to get a couple hours in it, which was awesome. Really? Yeah, that, yeah. And so that's that got, is, uh, what motors know, in that? His description is correct. It's it's a big it's kind of a big truck. Things happen real slow. I remember I, it, I was flying the Citabria a lot, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of like just a big Citabria. Yeah, yeah. Is it a Vendenyev motor in it, Nigel? Yeah, it's a thousand horsepower. It's, it's pretty big and. It's um, it's got good, really good power. I mean, it, it lifts well, and um, I haven't got much time on it, but uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it, it it doesn't struggle from a power perspective, and uh, doesn't like a crosswind too much. But I guess uh, in Russia they fly them with square fields anyway. So that's also I love, I love the whole mentality of the Russians and how they build shit. In fact, I heard a story that like when things got like some of the military jets, you know, back in the seventies or sixties, I guess. When they uh, were done using them, when they moved on to the next model, whatever, they just dig a hole and bury the thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who knows if it's true, but um, I don't know. I just love it. I love suit. I mean, I'm a big fan of Sukhois. Love Sukhois. Have you ever flown a Sukhoi? Yeah, 29, 31. Um, Not much time either, but um, probably got more time in a 29 than a 31. But uh, yeah, good airplanes. Enjoyed them, eh? A lot of fun. Yeah. So what's the, you just, it just didn't, uh, it's like apples and oranges, I guess. You just, it just didn't uh, bite you the way the uh, MX or the extra bit you? Yeah. I think it was more opportunity. Um, you know, I had, uh, I had a chance to buy a share in, a, in an extra midwing pretty early on. So um, at the time I was doing the odd flight or two in the Sukhoi. And, and when, the, when the chance came, we actually bought two um, former Halconi airplanes for formation. And um, so I went straight into the, into the extra um, yeah. bef- before I had the chance to to get into the Sukhoi much, but um, yeah, that, and from there it sort of grew and competition started and developed, and then uh, the, the opportunity came to fly the MX, so and that was just a different league. Yeah, the Halconi's yeah. got a lot of news on them. I mean, they're switching. To the, you, you know that they're switching to the Game Bird, I assume, right? I see they've got uh, they've, they've got four, and uh, I've seen a couple of pictures that look good, good looking airplane yeah. for sure. Yeah, Mark and I are really excited about the game bird. Um, Mark, you went to the factory, right? You went to the factory. I thought, yeah, but I thought you did too. No, I want to. Um, I'm 
as far as like the, all these airplanes go, I mean, obviously, like uh, I'm an extra fanboy, uh, as I think we all are here. But um, and I'm excited to see what the NG does. But I, I'm I really like the story of Gamebird. You know, I I like the story. I like the feel of it, the smell of it, so to speak. You know, if that makes sense. Like I, I'm really excited to see what that airplane does. And uh, once it gets, you know, there's more serial numbers out there now. I, I, gosh, they're approaching probably 20. Um, airplanes you know sent out i think they were at 16 right at the end of the year or something like that Some, uh, i think they, i think 26 actually is somewhere around there and, and there's over 30 odd in on the order books and uh i know philip really well and i knew him uh, from uh Buck and then extreme days and and sure. he's a great guy i mean he really is he's, he's a he's an absolute professor and uh and, and a master in, in, in what he does you know he's, he's an awesome guy i mean obviously i'm a i'm an extra fan myself and spent lots of time at the factory and and uh, I'm a sales agent here in South Africa, but uh, you know, I, as you say, I like the story, and uh, and, and Philip's a great guy. I just uh, I think he's yeah. he's got he's onto something super there, uh, especially for America, and for I for the, mar- the market there. You know? Yeah, yeah. see, a U.S. Um, produced airplane um, of this caliber that's going to be, um, you know, serviced in the U.S. because that, that's probably one of the things that's <laughs> been hard in the states here is having a a you know a world capable unlimited aerobatic airplane that's that's built here and serviced here. You know, you're you're kind of at the whim of whatever manufacturer can get, um, whatever OEM can get parts and service to, to that particular country. And extras, you know, have uh, been pretty good at that. Um, probably better than most. Um, you know, some are, I mean, I, I don't know how hard it is to service a Sukhoi here, but and you know, it's not like there's a lot of people that can work on them or that know them. Um, so to see Gamebird, the the more they produce, the the bigger they get, the more they'll have you know parts backing and and a dealer network and service network and stuff like that. I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to, we're going to have Philip on uh, soon too. And I, um, I went to the factory, Nigel, and he showed me around um, the airplane and, you know, what's covered up on panels and what's underneath it. And I don't want to give any, but it's just, I'm sure you know that he did so many nice refinements to it. And um, yeah, everybody, a lot of my friends that we have this group chat on outside of this, they kind of like, uh, how do they treat me when I talk about the game bird, Mark? There's a, there's a, <laughs> I don't, I mean, a, a prejudice towards it is, is probably like the wrong word, but you know, um, there's probably a general apprehension, right? Yeah. You know, X, X is like the household name, right? And so like anytime you talk about anything else, um, and I'm included in this cause I do it, but anytime yeah. you talk about anything non extra, it's kind of like, well, wait a second. Wait, so you can't say that. But yeah, and I will. I, I will. I, I, I will it. correct myself, Jeff. Um, I did not go to the factory. I flew a Phenom 300 into Bentonville <laughs> and met Philip randomly on the ramp um, with the. I think he had the, like it was at the time the prototype because um, one of the Waltons was getting married across the field, and so he was going to do a demo over the field at the reception. And so like I got to. I met Philip. I got to see the airplane. Um, and I saw the factory across the way, so I didn't actually get a factory tour. But I, I feel did. like Philip is like really easy to spot. He is, I think he's got the best hair in the aerobatic community. I mean, he's Fabio. He's right. I've never seen. Well, I've I met Philip in person now, but not, like his his hair is beautiful, right, Nigel? <laughs> well, uh, he, he's he's cut it off, so you know he was. Oh, that's uh, right. Holy shit! Yeah. You're right. He he was. I still remember at um, one of the air shows we went to in China. I'd, I'd met Philip before at um, at WAC in 2011, and uh, we ended up just after that in an air show in China. And he arrived. Is that Moti- his, uh, Motiji? No, it was um, it was the first. Um, oh man, what was the uh, show called? I'll think about it just now. But it was the first uh, show in uh, in Laiwu that we did, and. Um, 
and Philip arrived with his uh, with his Sbox single seater uh, XA41. It became, and uh, he used to taxi standing sort of on the rudder pedals with his hair out and his hair flying behind. <laughs> it, it was quite a picture, actually. Yeah, it was quite a character. Yeah. Uh, guy's just a total lady killer. I love it. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, he arrived and he chopped his hair off, and 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 so life in America began. I think. Yeah, he yeah. chopped his hair off, grew a mustache, and got some cowboy boots. Just went totally American. <laughs> Total Arkansas, yeah. Do you, oh do, you do, um, do you fly um, do you fly the extreme air in China regularly, Nigel? Are you, are you still doing shows there? Uh, we have. Um, you know, obviously things have changed worldwide, so we haven't been for a couple of years, and um, we've probably spent about four or five seasons doing three or four shows a year there. Um, so my time on the extremes limited. I flew a. I think I flew a, a European freestyle champs in 2012 on Philips plane. And then um, that's about the only real aerobatic time I have on it. And then the rest is all formation aerobatics and, and basic air show stuff. So uh, I don't know the airplane too well. Um, I think because of that, I've got to certainly have a healthy respect for it. Um, I know it, uh, it has the potential to bite uh, more, more so if you just don't know the airplane and you're not current on it, you know? So, um, it's uh, it's got very powerful controls and just yeah, you know, just got a healthy respect for it. Just mainly because I haven't spent enough time in it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. How's it, what's it like flying in China? I mean, as far as regulation, are the people really into it? Like more so in other than on, than other countries? Um, like, what's the deal over there? It's very controlled. It's you know all the airspace is military airspace and, and and very restricted. You can't fly from venue to venue, so you. You're packing the airplane up in a box every time, sending it off, and uh, oh my god! So yeah, and and I mean you you're very much limited by whatever the weather is on on the day. You can have shocking visibility. I mean we've had really treacherous days. You can have low cloud, and then some glorious days. But um, yeah, every day is a mystery and, and regulations. And one day you're flying, next day you're not allowed to fly. Um, they're very very strict on their rules. I think mainly because they don't have enough information or enough experience with general aviation or air shows etc but you know there's a there's a huge drive in china for general aviation they've got so yeah. many factories they bought a lot of the factories from around the world cirrus and, and many others and Cirrus, I think, many. yeah and i think they, they were involved in the in the extreme air factory at one stage as well so um there's a massive drive um there's a lot of air shows around and obviously you know the last year or so it hasn't happened but um, they're certainly pushing, and there's a huge training. I know we have a lot of flight schools in South Africa that cha- that uh, train Chinese pilots for their airlines and and stuff. So they they're really pushing the aviation sector uh, big time. Oh, jeez, that sounds like a, it sounds like a lot what they're doing. I didn't know they bought Cirrus. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's pretty massive. You know, they 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 they've designed a lot of their own airplanes. They um, they're really pushing the general aviation market um, in China. Uh, the airspace has opened up uh, a fair amount, but um, but still a lot a lot restricted, um, particularly military military restrictions, etc. Ah. Are are you doing shows like? Are, what is the like your feeling on the focus of why you're performing in air, uh, air shows in China? Is it to promote general aviation, or is it more of a um, entertainment spectacle per se? Like, no, it's it's totally to promote aviation. So I mean, we've had. Events where we've had no crowd at all. They've got you know a lot of aircraft manufacturers and flight schools and and development sectors, etc. So it's very much to promote aviation and and to grow that sector as much as they can. Okay. Oh, jeez. So 
Uh, switch topics because I'm getting bored with China. Um, <laughs> I think everybody is. Everybody wake up out there who went to sleep on the China talk. Um, <laughs> the uh, the NG, the extra NG. You've seen it. You've touched it. I've never seen one up close. What's Have you flown it? I haven't flown it. Um, I was at the factory for the launch. Um, I, I missed an opportunity to fly basically due to the weather, really. But um, I mean, the, the the finish on that aircraft is is just right. Uh, it's second it's to none. It's just unbelievable. The, uh, the concept is incredible. You know, um, I'm sure you know sort of Walter's take on carbon airplanes, and he was, I think, his whole life he was pretty pretty concerned about the pilot and, and the fact that uh, you know if the carbon does break and, and what that might do to the pilot, etc. So he's built he's built uh, a lot of safety features into the aircraft. Um, I was lucky to see sort of the whole development or the build of, of the aircraft while we were there. So from the bathtub cockpit area um, all the way to the finished product. And it's, it's just something special. It, it really is masterfully finished off and, and just a, a beautiful airplane. Yeah, it's one of the first airplanes. Oh, sorry, Jeff, go ahead. No, go for it, man. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I got a chance when I picked up my extra in Florida at Southeast Arrow, uh, I got a chance to look over the NG that they had there, um, their demonstrator. Uh, I looked over it and sat in it and just kind of got to take it in. And um, it's one of the, it's one of the first aerobatic airplanes that I, that I just remember um, looking at it and being like, okay, this is, it's almost, uh, it's more work of art than airplane, but that is a huge, that's like really underselling its abilities as an airplane. So it, it really transcends the look of an airplane. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Like it, it, it doesn't, doesn't, it feels like a spaceship. I mean, it look the, the contours, the way it's built, the lines, like it's, it's really, really, really well done and advanced uh, compared to like the normal aerobatic, you know, architecture that you're used to. Right. You know, and, and basically every other aerobatic airplane is just this crude, you know, crude materials thrown together with a big engine and then slap some, you know, bright paint on it or something, you know, it's, it's very like rudimentary inside, especially, but that airplane like top to bottom is really, really well done and everything fits together really well. It's, it's got a lot of technology in the way they've manufactured that airplane and put it together. It's, it, and it shows, it really does show. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And uh, also lucky to see the demonstration flight um, done by one of the French pilots, and um, and just the capability of the aircraft was incredible. It's, uh, you know, if you look at it, you'd think, okay, this is a touring airplane, much like the LT or something like that, but it, it's not. It's uh, aerobatic-wise, uh, I would say probably somewhere between the, the Alex and the and the SC, uh, performance-wise. So um, uh, all-round aerobatics, I think it's going to be a great airplane. Yeah, it yeah. looks. I saw a video of it, and it looks like exactly what you said, between an SC and an LX, but it looks a lot faster than the LX, just not only in speed, but a little bit more with roll rate. And Absolutely. yeah, yeah, it just, it looks like, um, it's weird. It's, it's kind of like, you know, like when you see somebody, I want to make a comparison that might not work, but I'll try. Like when you watch somebody fly a super decathlon and they do a, a slow roll on a level line and the airplane doesn't lose altitude, your mind expects it to lose altitude. So it's kind of like a mind fuck. Um, so like with the two seat extras, seeing it perform like that, it's like, it just doesn't make sense. And you're, you're seeing it, but it's like how you've never seen, you know, outside an MX2, something like that, do that. So it's pretty, um, yeah. I'm excited. That big it's honking exciting time. Yeah. It's an exciting yeah. time for aerobatics because you got Game Bird, it's NG, you know, MX is back in business. And um, I'd like to see like a 
you know, like a biplay manufacturer come back and build something sick. Wasn't Skip Stewart supposed to do something like a carbon fiber biplane? Did you hear about that, Nigel? I did. I, well, I saw a couple of mock-ups and, the, and a few models that were built of it. Um, and, and I think, I don't know if I actually saw his one um, being built or if it, that was the model, I'm not too sure, but uh, it looked pretty, looked pretty insane. Um, I'm not quite sure if it got finished. Yeah, I don't know what happened to that. It, it, it like they molded the fuselage and, and everything. It's, I think it's Prometheus, right? Or is that his old? Um, I forgot if that's the new one or the uh, what he calls his current um, airplane. But boy, I, yeah, I should send him a message. Uh, yeah, there was some news. I mean, there was like I don't know, maybe it was a year ago or two years ago. There were some posts and and it was in like a remember it was in like a, a plywood box. It was yeah. getting built by some. Well, the, the fuselage was molded by some carbon company. And um, I was getting really pumped for it because <laughs> it would have been, uh, you know, badass. Because the only biplane really that's high performance is the uh, Wolf Pits, and yeah. not a lot of those around. I think actually didn't no went down to Australia to uh, that yellow one, right? Yeah, yeah, they went to uh, Bennett. Paul Bennett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know actually. I had a um, so I used to have an extra two hundred. Um, you might have seen it. You know, the red with the yellow stripe. 200 that um edge Bissett owns yes i've seen it yeah yeah so that was mine. together okay yeah. that was yours all right that was mine so nico came up so you're talking about nico right yeah he uh he's one of my colleagues at south african airways yeah so um he's a really cool guy I, you know from time to time i kind of talk to him and um i had my other friend matt here um who since moved to colorado like a jerk um anyway so Nico and I were building a box to, to get this thing in a shipping container or whatever. And, you know, I didn't know, but um, for some reason, Nico and I were talking about it that, you know, he's just not a fan of Australians. And I didn't know that there was like that rivalry, I guess. So <laughs> my idiot friend walks in the hangar and Nico starts talking and Matt thinks it's an Australian accent. Like a moron. <laughs> we often often get to that. Yeah. And then he goes, so Nico is like, he's got a sheetrock knife or something. And he's like trying to, he's cutting something to like some foam to, to pack the airplane. And my friend Matt does the whole like crocodile. That's not a knife. This is a knife. And I thought Nico was going to take the knife and slit his throat. I was like, <laughs> he was so pissed. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, uh, Edge is a cool guy, man. He's a really nice guy. He's he's a great cool guy. Name. Awesome Mark, this guy. guy's name is Edge. This is his first name. That's pretty cool. Came out of my name Edge. Man. Yeah. With a, with a name like that, you're kind of setting, you know, you can't be a, uh, like an insurance broker or something. Yeah. No, you can't do that. Um, no, you got to fire a medic, so. Yeah. I want to, Jeff, I want to go back to WWF. That, ooh. That might even be better. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be a wrestler. We'll, we'll circle back. Player. What were you talking about? Um, so you touched on something that I, I, I'd be curious to get Nigel's take on. So the, the two seat, aerobatic market you know the with the like i guess the redesign I, I don't know if it's fair to call it a redesign but um the mx2 like the new kits that are shipping seem to be a, a departure from the previous mx2 you know um more i guess taking more in the you know from the mxs um the game bird the ng um are we do you guys think that this is this possibly is the beginning of the end of the single seat unlimited aerobatic airplane. I'm not too sure. I guess you got to you got to decide what are you what are you getting your airplane for. Um, you, you know, if you look at the European market, which is probably one of the biggest 
when it comes to competition aerobatics. Um, I don't think there'll be a, a huge departure away from the SC. It's just such a tried and tested uh, er- uh, competition aerobatic, aerobatic aeroplane. It's yeah. um, it's so easy to fly uh, a resty. Uh, you, you can take six months off jumping the aeroplane and, and you're not far off where you were. You know, just your G, G tolerance really is more you're working on. Whereas I found with any of the others, it takes it takes time to settle back in the aeroplane, you know. Unless you Rob Holland, who's who lives in your aeroplane, uh, it takes you it takes you a long time just to get back in. And um, the SC, I think, from that aspect, you know, particularly in, in Europe, where you're taking four months off for for bad weather and snow and 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 stuff, you, you want to be able to get back in and, and just fly. Um, yeah, and and that's where the SC. Is such a great aeroplane, and it's and it's tried and tested and proven, and uh, yeah, and it's going to take a lot to to take that market away from the competition side. I think it, uh, in the states it's different. You got you got huge distances to travel uh, between sites and airfields. I, I mean, I, you're lucky there that you can get fuel at every fifty miles, basically. <laughs> right? um, yeah, yeah. In, in South Africa, we, we've we've got a bit of a snag in getting fuel. We've also got long distances to go. Australia's got the same issues. Uh, Europe is no problem. You can get fuel anyway, and uh, so you know that you've got certain limitations. Uh, the the modern two seat is a lot faster. You can get places. So uh, I think it depends on 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 what you want to do. Do you want to be? Are you going to just be? Uh, um, a sport aerobatic guy, and you're going to go to the odd competition and have some fun with your mates, and or do you want to be competitive? And and, and sure. that's going to drive the market, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, just to go back to what you were saying with the airplane, easy to fly. I remember. I'm curious to see what your take is was on this. So we, you know, the French were flying the SC in a lot of videos, and you'd see a you know a guy like a cow start rolling the airplane and just hitting points and, and stopping it so crisp. And you were like, holy shit, that's incredible. And, um, you know, I got an opportunity before I bought the SC. Um, I flew the LX and I remember going out to, uh, I was down in Florida and I got the test flight. So I was going out to the, uh, the practice area and I just was just warming up with rolls and everything. And I remember doing the first one and just the airplane just stopped like on a dime. And I'm like, God, I was fucking pure luck and then it just kept you know the airplane was just so you know um well rigged and and well built you could just it stopped so easily and it wasn't hard to did did you get that feeling on your first flight like what was your first flight in this new uh extra with whether it was an lx or an sc you know with that new wing and 100 percent. i mean you know I, I got my my airplane and we had a competition down in cape town which was four hours flying away and which was perfect because i needed to run the engine in and I did, a, did the, the test flight, jumped in the plane, flew down to Cape Town and, and jumped into the box as soon as I had the hours on the engine. And and immediately it was just, yeah, the, you know, I think any aeroplane you're climbing, there's different noises and different creaks and, and a different feel, elevated feel in terms of how much you're pulling and pushing. But yeah. in terms of the ailerons, it was just an immediate wow. It's uh, whatever Walter did with the new wing on, on, on the uh, new generation extras was just incredible. And what's beautiful about it is every single aeroplane is the same. Now, you're climbing to a 300L or a 300 midwing, and every single one is set up differently and, and, totally. and, and, and yeah. rolls differently and stops differently. And Whereas uh, the SC or the Alex, every one I've flown has just been exactly the same. Yeah, it's just That's got that, that same, you know, force to break out a little bit. And it, you know, stopping it is just, it's, I don't know, Mark, you got to fly one. It's, it's It almost takes away a little bit when you watch some of these videos of, you know, anybody just rolling it and stopping it quick. I mean, there is some talent in it um but the air it, 
I don't want to say a lot of it's the airplane, but maybe I don't know. It's just it's such a well, I, I it makes that. it uh, makes it easier on the pilot, I would imagine, because I mean, uh, you know, I know this having flown the L and the mid wing, and then obviously the pits and stuff like that. Like, you know, depending on the airplane, you're working harder. I mean, it's like it's like pushing something heavier uphill almost. It's like the more you have to input, the, obviously, um, you know, you can make it look good, but it's harder. And if you don't do it right, it's easier to screw up. So it's it's kind of an interesting. There's an interesting duality. Like, you know, if the SE is easier, um, it's almost it almost takes away the airplane, and you're seeing pure pilot skill. And you can almost judge it. I, I don't know. There, it's almost like you're almost kind of seeing the purity of it. But then again, if everybody's just scoring nines and tens, then you but can I mean, tell the difference. Look at our. Well, I hear what you're saying, but I think you must also, you know. If you can actually you can watch one pilot to the next, and you can actually see who's flying. You can see the character, and you can see the different skills, and you can see the different uh, yeah. uh, expressions from each pilot. Uh, you can, you, I mean, you can tell a French pilot from a, an American pilot from a Russian pilot. It's, it's, um, you know, this, the, the 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 different nations are schooled a different way, and 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 you can pick it up. I mean, yes, the airplane makes it easier, but it, it, what it does is it, it makes it easier. Uh, in terms of getting back into your aerobatics, if you haven't flown for a while, it makes it easier to get maybe the stops right. But you still yeah. have to get the maneuvers right. You still have to learn the different tricks and 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 get your personality and your style into that into that flight. But it allows you to get into that a lot quicker than trying to learn the aeroplane, basically. Hundred percent. It's also cool. It, it, you know, it takes away. Obviously, you know, the, and that's, that's the game now, right? You're 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 basically watching the three thirty SC sprinkled in with what you know the one percent of everything else you know an mx here or there and you know maybe a sukhoi and then i don't know some like a like a laser or i don't know cap maybe but you know it's kind of fun to get to watch all these different 330 scs i mean that in and of itself might not be exciting but you get to see the pilot you get to see the, the variance in the pilot and not you don't have to think about the airplane and how that changes your perception of the maneuvers being flown. You're only seeing the pilot variance, which I don't know. I actually like that. Yeah. From like a judging point, I, I agree with you, but you know, what's really wild too. And I didn't want to interrupt anybody, but with mammoth stuff, you know, I heard, I don't know how true it is. This is all like third, fourth hand knowledge here, but I heard the guy does not really fly that much in the SC before. And then two weeks before a competition, I guess he, you know, gets into it and, and trains and then just goes out and whoops ass. Is there, did you hear stories like that, Nigel? I mean, is he like, the guy's incredible. I mean, he's, he's, he just keeps, how long has he been flying unlimited for at this point? Uh, a, a, a long time. I mean, you don't, you don't get to be three time world champion um, for nothing. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> but, you know, again, sure. you know, he's, I think when you, when you've grown up in, in, in aerobatics and you've been schooled that way and that's your life, uh, you know, in spending your, your life in, in those airplanes, you, you you can just get in and go, but um, yeah, his, his precision his, his precision is incredible. His uh, his mindset. Uh, you know, I spent a fair amount of time with with Mikhail, and he's such a great guy. He's got an awesome sense of humor, and, and um, you know, his 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 real uh, his his real cold. You know, uh, Russian, <laughs> a little expression. You know, not much happens in his face, but, but but behind the scenes, he's working hard, and and he's just an incredible pilot. He's just. He's just so rock solid, you know. He doesn't yeah. rattle easily, and uh, he's just a great guy as well. You've been to World, so you've seen. I mean, I uh, how to put this. I think that I really think that the people you know that at Worlds at Walk as far as winning and who should win. I think the people that are in the top 
five or ten or or I think the top echelon of the winners deserves to be there. And I think, you know, I don't want to get into the weeds too much with order of flight. I think order of flight has a lot to do with it, too. But, you know, is what I'm trying to get at is the people that at Worlds that are in the top five. I mean, you've been there. They're they're that good, huh? hundred percent. You know, I, I, there's there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of grumpiness, you know, during the competition. And oh, that shouldn't have happened. And he had luck with weather. And, and, you know, the judge, what were the judges looking at? There's always those, that kind of bickering and that happens. But at the end of the day, when the contest is said and done and the guys are on the podium, you know that the, 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 the guys on the podium are the guys that, that are the top, you know. Whether it's one, two, three or three, two, one or two, one, three, it doesn't really matter. You, you know those are the top guys. You can see it. They're consistent. They don't make mistakes. Yeah. That, you know, and I'd go as far as to say the top ten. You can see them from from a mile off. You know, so it's um, it, there's always going to be a debate, and we all wonder what the hell the judges were thinking. Or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but you know, those things happen, and it happens through throughout the entire week or ten days of the contest. But yeah, like you say, at the end of the day, you know who the top guys are. That's amazing. And yeah. who's who's um. You know, in reference, who do you get excited to watch at, as far as um, um, not freestyle, but um, a rusty classic or, you know, competition? Who's somebody who you try to emulate or you, who's your favorite? Uh, you know, the, it's difficult to say that. Uh, I really enjoy the flair of the French. I mean, these guys, uh, Francois Lavotte, uh, when he won that year in Texas, I mean, it's just flawless flying. It's just incredible. His style Jeez. is amazing. He's an incredible if you look pilot. at um, if you look at the current world champion, um, I'll think of his name shortly, a young guy. Um, I saw him for the first time in 2017 when he came to South Africa. Just a really unbelievable pilot. And just so aggressive. His style is incredible. Um, you again, crazy. Let me cut you off really quick. Isn't it incredible? You mentioned the French, and I agree. I can talk about the French for, and I love it, but they're so secretive, right? They're very secret. Like not a lot of stuff gets posted. They don't have, you know, it's very like, it's, it's CIA. You, you say that, but actually they're very, they're very free to give of, of their knowledge. And um, yeah, we've had a couple of events, Sky Grand Prix here in South Africa. We've had a few French out here and Francois himself and, and Aude and, and a few, and, and, uh, you know, having spent a bit of time around the world and at all different events, they, they're very freely share their knowledge. And, um, and that's great to see. And, uh, you know, the same with, with their coaches. A lot of us have been coached by the French and, and spent some time with them, and, and they're not scared to share their knowledge. Uh, you know, and, and but you're talking about the guys that, that we sort of really enjoy watching. I mean, obviously, Rob, Rob is just uh, he's just a freak of the sport. I'm not just talking about freestyle. He's, you know, he's, without a doubt, he's proved he's the best freestyle component ever to yeah. grace the skies. Just, but just his, his arresting style as well. Uh, I was very lucky to, to be able to fly Rob's aeroplane um, both in in uh, Italy and in America, and spent a, a couple of weeks with Rob, and he's just such an amazing guy, just a down to earth guy, uh, an absolute uh, study of the sport, and and you can see why he he is the top. I mean, it's, it's not even a question. But oh, it's incredible. I love his aggressive style. It's just so cool, and it's just so aggressive. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. even need Rob doesn't even need the form. He needs the thirty second free, and he can win at this point. 100%. I mean, he's yeah, he's sorry. fucking incredible, and he's you're right, he's. You know, humble as pie, obviously, and yeah. you, you, but, but, but so you guys have got things. some. Uh, inc- I mean, 
I'll have to say, two of the guys that I really, really enjoyed watching was um, was Goody, Goody Thomas, and, uh, yeah. and Jeff Bourbon. I mean, their their style as well. <laughs> their resty, their resty flying was just incredible as well. Nigel, you have you have an open invitation to come on this podcast every yeah. time for saying that. <laughs> we, we talk we talk about Goody and Jeff a lot. <laughs> oh my god, Mark and I would totally be the female in that. In, like Mark, you can marry Jeff because two Jeffs would just be weird in that relationship. And then you know, no, it's Jeff squared. <laughs> That's fine. Just squared. Okay, yeah. fine. You can have Goody. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we'll do a little swap. Who knows? It might get crazy. But yeah, might just let's just get weird. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Down with a Goody bridal Thomas. <laughs> Dude, Goody Thomas, give that guy his Wheaties and make sure he's he's got good rest and well fed. That guy can fucking fly. That he one hundred percent. Oh man, he's incredible. In fact, it's frustrating because he'll he'll you know post on Instagram and stuff like that, like that he's flying, but like he's he doesn't show much of his flying lately. You know, just kind of he just kind of does his own thing. But I love watching him fly. I mean, he's he's truly incredible. And Bourbon is unreal. I mean, some of these guys, you know, they kind of fade not fade into oblivion, but you know, they do they they choose to do different things or kind of take a step back, and then it's it's almost it's unfortunate, but it's almost unfair because you're like these guys are like highly highly talented like could be if they worked at top five yeah or, or it just didn't work out just you know something happened and it just didn't work out but yeah yeah um, but that, that's the nature of the sport i mean you got you got probably you know 20 to 25 guys that arrive at a whack that that could be easily be in the top 10 you know you, you just got to have a good yeah. week you got to have your week it's so easy to blow out. It's I mean, such a brutal sport, you know, at the end of the day. The and, uh, are so high. I mean, you're really so many guys that can be in the top 10, and you can see it, you know. it's um, yeah. Look at Caster. Fanto- I mean, the guy is... No, no, there's, oh, sorry. There's another guy I like watching. Oh, yeah, just, and like, he's never won a... I think he won the, he won the Europeans, I believe. The, yeah, he won the, the Europeans. Europe, but he's never won a walk, and, you know, the guy lives... He's like Rob. He lives, eats, drinks it. And it's just sometimes it does, you're right. It's whether it's order of flight or you, you you mess up a little bit here or there. I mean, at that level, the top five or even more, I could be wrong, is separated by just messing up one maneuver a little bit, not even zeroing, just messing oh, up no. a little bit. Absolutely. And any any get you know you you, you change uh, the time of day or the the, the, the day that they fly. You, you can flip the top five around. They're all they're all the best. So, Nigel, is it? Would you say it's um, psycho? I mean, do you work on your psychology of the sport? I mean, what do you do? Like, at, when you're at a high level contest like that, um, you know, what do you do to prepare yourself? You don't have to get too into it, but how do you stay focused? Because like, that's what I've been working on. I don't know about you, Mark, but you know, it's it's to me when you show up to a contest and if you can't fly every figure in the catalog and be competitive, then you shouldn't be there, especially at that level. So at, at that point, I think a lot of it has to do with where your head is. So what do you do to, to get in the zone or, or whatever? Uh, I've, I've been, I would say, lucky uh, um, from a competition point of view. I've always had the ability to switch off from everything else and just focus on the, uh, on, on the task at hand. And uh, I think uh, I'm sort of known here in South Africa for the guy who's, who, who doesn't fly well in training but flies a lot better in the contest. And uh, oh, I cool. just enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy the competition stress really and uh, uh i've been flying through rally flying precision flying and aerobatics competitions since 1995 so uh, i've just grown up in that in that field and i, and I thrive in competition i really enjoy it and uh, more so much just for my own um 
you know, measurement of abilities and, and where, where am I at? And, and I just, I just love that. You know, I, I really That's enjoy, cool. enjoy the competition and I can zone out. I can switch off from anything else and, and just focus on, on the task at hand. And, uh, I guess that helps. And I, I, I sort of have a, a good short term memory. I can't remember long term. Uh, so, yeah. uh, my wife always tells me that I've, I can't remember anything, but, uh, you know, I can, <laughs> I can look at it. I, I could probably draw out the full, the four sequences from from the national six months ago for you right now. It's I just happen to remember sequences for whatever reason. So that I think that's a huge help too. Oh my god! I have to like when I put my sequence card, especially for the unknown, it's on like a piece of oak tag. It's like twenty four inch by twelve. I'm freaking <laughs> like I need a I need a hooked up hooked on phonics version of a rusty in my airplane playing through. Okay, Jeff, pull vertical. <laughs> <laughs> just read the. It's so simple when you think about it, but when you're in the airplane, it's like, oh god. Oh, we god. should create a moving map GPS that that tags your position on a on like a screen of the arrestee, and it just shows you what just and you just basically just draw the line of the arrestee. I don't think you'll be the first line. person to try and develop something. Like that, that's sure. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, you hear all these crazy stories, but so you're like, I mean, from my perspective, not. I mean, I. I don't want to sound like I'm obsessed with you and I got pictures of you on my wall because maybe I do, but he doesn't want to sound like it, but he is, but you know, we, everybody knows about you and you're an incredible pilot in South Africa for a while. Um, but as far as, so you have a, I think you had a great touch on what's going, what's going on in South Africa. What's it like? What's the community for aerobatics like there? I mean, for Mark and I, I think, um, that, that guy, Pat Davidson, he's, um, we kind of found out about him a little bit, oh, like a year ago or so, but you know, he's a great pilot too. Are there a lot of aerobatic pilots coming up in uh, in your country? It's a small community. It's um, you know, over the years, it's 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 had its. We've had our, our stars and our, and, our, and our great pilots and stuff, but it's 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 generally a small community. We 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 have probably our biggest nationals with thirty five pilots in total, with maybe I think our our biggest unlimited group was seven, um, maybe ten in advance. So. We are a small group, but um, you know we have guys coming through and leaving, and, and, and new guys coming through, and, and, and we've we've had some really top guys, as you say, like Patrick and and Glendale and 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 a few others. And um, you know, I think considering where we are, and, and most of our flying is done at density altitudes six, seven, eight thousand, nine thousand feet. Yeah. Um, you know, so it is it is pretty challenging, and it was really challenging until the modern airplanes came along, and. Um, so yeah, we, I wouldn't say we're a wealthy country and, and we don't have a, a huge a huge uh, talent pool, um, you know, obviously for the financial constraints and, and all the aeroplanes coming from overseas. But um, I think we hold our own. And, um, you know, we've had it certainly in the advanced category. We've had some some really good finishes and, and stuff. I mean, Unlimited, we've done relatively well considering our, our small nation. And um, But we certainly have a, a huge passion for aerobatics. You know, the guys that are flying are absolutely passionate about it like i think like anybody in the world really um yeah. you know once you're in it you just it's just something you you, you got to love for it and, and 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 huge passion for it and and that's your life at the end of the day you know and uh um it's, i've had a great time i really have and, and more importantly i've just met so many good people around the world and had the opportunity to to fly in, in many different countries and, and with so many incredible aviators and, and, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day yeah, it seems like, I mean, there's a lot of cool things going on, especially, um, I feel like everybody in, if, you know, unless you've been living on the moon, you've seen the, uh, the T6s doing the, uh, formation water skiing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's incredible stuff. Um, but 
you know, you know, speaking of people you, you fly in with or whatever, do you, who is, um, who do you, do you get any coaching or any, um, who do you work with when you're getting ready for a competition or, or something like that? Most of our stuff is self-coaching. We, uh, we, uh, that's what we love about our sport is we, we've got four or five or, or six or seven on, it depends on the competition, unlimited guys and we're all coaching each other and then we go and have a fly off against each other. And, that, and that's, that's the beauty of the sport. <laughs> You know, we we we've, we have over the last few years, we've had a few coaches in. We've had uh, Xavier Deliparant, and we've had a you know a few others come in, and, and Baptiste Venez from uh, France, and and a few coaches in here to to help us. And um, but generally, we we're coaching ourselves. So Pat Pat Davidson's dad was also unlimited, and he's coached Patrick from a, a very young age as well. So he's helped the team out a bit. But um, on Wait, the I'm most, still, part, I'm still stuck play. on uh, Xavier. I um. I would love to 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 talk to that guy. I mean, that guy is. I think he's in my top three of I think all time greats. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And, and just an, a really down to earth, fantastic guy. He's got a wicked sense of humor and uh, just, <laughs> just a really great guy. I mean, I wish there was more video. There's a, there's a couple of videos online, but it's like shot with a VHS camcorder, and um, you know he's flying a Sukhoi, um, but. Ah, God, I, what I would give to see that guy come back. Or, I mean, how old is, is Xavier now? I, th- I think he's mid, mid to late 40s. Um, oh. But, you know, he started young. You know, they all start, the French generally start aerobatics at 18. And a lot of them, I mean, I think he retired in his early 30s, you know. So um, he, ah, just the exponent of, of the low speed aerobatics <sighs> in that Sukhoi was just something special. It's just awesome. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. Has he ever, I mean, could, could we start a, what's that, Mark? What am I talking about? Like a poll or what do you call that when you get, like you walk around your neighborhood with like a, a sheet of paper and you get all the neighbors to sign up? Um, what's the <laughs> word? Petition. Petition. Can we start a petition to bring Xavier back? Um, because I think that he, you know, Rob's pretty much got the four minute free on lockdown. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's no secret. Um, and yeah. There's no, you know, he's that good. But I think if, you know, Xavier, am I saying it right, Nigel? I, I'm so bad. Great, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, if he came back to the four-minute free, he, uh, I don't know, man. He could contend. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's just, you know, Renault Cole was in the, in the same league and, and very similar kind yeah. of style, I think. I mean, I, I never saw them live. I only saw videos. But um, similar similar style. And it's just something absolutely unique. The control of, of the airplane was, you know, oh, Rob, yeah. Robbie, Robbie's wow. He's just... It's just different league wow and, and bam, you know, but uh, the- we compared it to like going to a Van Halen concert versus the opera. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to go to a Van Halen concert, right? Exactly. We it is amazing because uh, like, yeah, both are great, but different. Very totally different, different styles. Totally different styles. Yeah. Where did that Sukhoi end up? Because he had a Suk 26 I with... I think it's with um, Daniel Riefer in, uh, in in Sweden that ended up. I don't know where, if he still got it. Uh, last time I saw... He had it, and he had it in China, but it went across the. Uh, yeah, that had like. What did it have? I it had an extended. Twenty six with a thirty one tail and uh, four fifty horsepower, if I'm not mistaken, with a wide cord prop and. Um, he had some like stupid prop on it, right? And he, I remember. Yeah. Is it true that they they had to like put gear extensions on because the prop was that? Same. Same with um, same with Castor. I mean, they've got a whole another wing in the front that rotates in the front there. <laughs> insanely big. <laughs> oh, that's freaking wild! Yeah, Castor is. I never. I don't know him. I never spoke to him. But 
you know, another no, guy. He's a character, absolute character. He's such a good guy and sense of humor and just loves life and, and just I mean, loves aerobatics. He's just such a great guy. Do you, like yourself, Caster, um, who else? Mark, help me out here. Like, do you guys know how much of a following that you guys have or are you completely like, you, have, you don't know? No, not really, no. Because oh I think, <laughs> dude, I think there's probably just an, I think anybody who's done aerobatics in America obviously has to know your name. Right, Mark? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, I might have to do with the, some of the things that, that I've done that I don't want people to follow, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, I know you want to talk about one of them just now, but yeah. It's, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, where I'm actually, um, I'll be honest with you, I'm really enjoying this so far. And, uh, I am too. Uh, and I'll you know, say that I um, I didn't know, so I obviously know of um, your bailout in 2015, which I can't wait to talk about, but um, that's not how I discovered you. And that's not, I don't know that that's how a lot of people know you. Um, and in fact, you know, it's like, you know, there's been a couple articles written on it and things like that, but it's not, I mean, it's, it's I think, widely known in the community now um, that it happened, but, you know, hearing, you know, why it, or how the why you're, you know, I, I can't wait to get into that. Um, but honestly, uh, just team extreme, I, I think is really, I mean, I, I love any videos that you guys put out um, are, are just a blast to watch and, and to watch your flying. So I think that's probably how a lot of people know you, at least in the States. And, and, you know, it's, it's from a, a, a position of admiration of anything. Yeah. So um, yeah, team, what that's the uh, extreme airs, right? Well, yeah, it, it's uh, it's extreme as in China. Um, we've obviously had a, had a four ship in South Africa as well. It started off as a two ship um, in China, um, and then just built from there. And just opportunities are, uh, came up, and, and and just you know spent a lot of time together, and, and some great pilots, and and just developed a, a really nice formation team. You know, and uh, it's uh, it's been great. It seems like there's a lot of formation in South Africa. We used to have um, the Northern Lights team here in America. Um, yeah. I'm sure you heard, and that was uh, Mark. Would you say that was the last piston-powered true formation team? Right. I mean, there's been others, but like as far as like a the real deal with the trailer that follows into shows and everything like that. Am I missing yeah, something? I mean, that, that had a big fall. I mean, like the Phillips 66 Aerostars here, I guess, are are, are like that a little bit, but um, you know, the, not, they're not of the same. Um, gosh, and I, I can't. I think they're just a. I think they're a four ship. Um, whereas, uh, the Northern Lights were what a six, five or six ship. Um, yeah. they had a big backing. I mean, they had spares upon spares. They, they probably could build two airplanes, um, out of the trailer they carried yeah. around. Um, yeah, you don't really see that anymore. Yeah. Nigel, Mark's got actually, Mark's midwing is actually one of the, uh, ex Northern Lights. Ah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So what would you, Nigel, what would you choose the midwing or the L? I, well, I had a midwing, um, and uh, I really enjoyed that. I think from a pure aerobatic perspective, I prefer the midwing. You know, you're sitting, you're sitting much yeah. like a pits. You're sitting in line with, you know, in the longest year on axis, you're sitting in line with the wing. And uh, pure aerobatic-wise, it's, I think it's, it's nicer. Um, obviously, makes it a bit more tricky on landings and, and, and a couple of other things and visibility, etc. So the L was easier and nicer from that perspective. But I prefer, I prefer the midwing from an aerobatic point of view. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. So in South Africa, I really we've had, like that we've, had a, 
we still have a lot of, of formation teams and, and we've got a couple of pit special teams and our flying one and, and we've got the Harvard team or the, the T6 team and, and, uh, and us. And, you know, everybody's pretty much amateur. We fly oh, probably 10 times a year together and, and that's it. You know, it's, um, we don't, we don't spend a lot of time together. We only really fly when there's an event and, 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 and sponsorships are limited. So, and, and so are the, so are the funds and the resources in South Africa. So, Unfortunately, we just don't have the budgets that 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 you guys have in the states, and and uh, we don't have enough time. You know, we all have our own other jobs, and, and and nobody's professional when it comes to aerobatics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, and most most are like that in the states. You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, Jeff and I talk a lot about the '90s as kind of like the golden era of of especially air show aerobatics, like big teams, big sponsors, big names, and and. A lot of full-time guys, although back then a lot of air, airline and, and other professional jobs outside of um, air show and aerobatic flying. But I feel like it's uh, for whatever reason now it seems like it's much harder to to be a full-time. Um, um, sorry about that, guys. Uh, had technical issues on I think my side. My call dropped, so uh, we're getting everybody back together. Sorry about that, Nigel. No worries. Um. So, gosh, I had. Uh, we still have so many questions, but um, I, I can't even remember what we were talking about. Um, what? So what? Where are you at right now in in terms of your aerobatic flying? I know we were talking a little bit about uh, Team Extreme and, and kind of the airshow industry, but as far as competition, are you? What are you setting your sights on right now for 2021? I, I know COVID, um, you know, is, it, there's problems there, but um, are you are you looking to go to 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 WAC um, when it comes back? Are you? What What are your plans right now? Yeah, I'm actually in limbo at the moment. Uh, I'm not quite sure what what to do. Um, uh, you know, with this whole COVID issue, a lot of my sponsors um, have sort of, um, I wouldn't say dropped out, but they've all been put on hold. So I'm going to have to see where that goes. Um, we, we didn't have one air show last year. So, you know, that put a huge spanner in the works in terms of sponsorships. And we only had a couple of competitions and our nationals. And so... We'll have to see. We'll have to see where it goes. I, I don't see many opportunities this year for for air shows, so it's going to be quite a difficult one. Um, it's, uh, it's 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 going to be pretty much down to finances and and, and what happens going forward. Sure. Are you um, um, aerobatic wise? What are you? Do you are you are you yourself training at all? Uh, for, I mean, just or just um, I guess. Um, you know, it's kind of, are you just maintenance flights for your, both yourself and just your abilities, you know, is just keeping, keeping a level of, uh, um, you know, fitness, aerobatic fitness. Um, yeah, kind of that's where we are at the moment. So it's um, pretty much just keeping the airplane going and, and the engine and everything running and, and maintenance there. And, uh, you know, our season is pretty much from March through till October. So during that season, we fly in a lot. So I don't do a lot of, specific targeted training you know we'll we'll do the odd training flight for an air show and then we, we fly in air shows uh, fairly regularly so there's there's no need really to go out and do specific training and then before a competition we'll train a few days and then probably a week before nationals or something so that's pretty much the extent of it um and then the off season november through till february very little just you know basic maintenance flights and, and that's about it really so um yeah, that's, it that's has been quite here. limited particularly of late Sure. That's how it is here in the States right now. Um, it's just like everybody doesn't know what's going on for 2021. Um, there's stuff scheduled, but, you know, 
um, it's kind of it's kind of shitty to be honest. I mean, I don't think the virtual stuff is is that great for air shows. Um, I don't think it really works. But there was a no. couple air shows here that they did the uh, the drive in, like you could drive your car in and watch. I thought that was you know a step in the right direction. I would do that. Yeah, I think it just hasn't been, you know, there hasn't been the finance behind it yet. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the air shows rely very much on sponsorships, and, and I guess if you're not going to get the crowds in, you're not going to get the sponsorships. So it's um, it's certainly been difficult, and you know, we haven't been able to since since March, really, since the initial lockdown. It's just, you know, we haven't had more, haven't been allowed more than 500 people in an outdoor event since then. So it um, it's just been no opportunity for air shows. All right, now that we're all depressed. Um, <laughs> so the other thing that, you know, Mark, we haven't really spoken about this. We kind of touched upon it in like episode three, I guess, or something like that. I forget. But I'm a big fan of seating position with flying in anything, you know, especially aerobatics. Um, yeah. I still haven't, you know, I think I'm always trying to tweak it a little bit. And I'm just, you know, a lot of it is, is you know, I eat too much McDonald's. And my belly gets in the way, but... Um, Nigel, like how seating position, tell me like your thoughts on that, how important it is. Are you, are you, did you find a perfect seating position yet? Um, do you know, like when you sit in the airplane, if you're going to have a good flight or a bad flight before even, you know, once you're strapped in, like what's, what's your thought process on that stuff? Yeah. Well, I've been quite fortunate in that through sponsorships, I've had my own airplane for the last, um, 10 or 12 years. So, um, you know, I'm the only one flying my plane, so the seating position doesn't change for me. So I just found it initially what was comfortable. Um, the big thing, obviously, was ensuring full arm extension, especially for the, the snaps and the negative snaps and, and those kind of things. And, and then just playing around with, with leg position as to where the bit most comfortable, full rudder, etc. So uh, I think it takes a few flights to, to understand the ergonomics and, and what's best for you. Um, in terms of G-tolerance, yeah, uh, you know the MX was fantastic. Of uh, you know that the 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 recline seat was was fantastic for for G. Um, I did take a bit of strain moving back to the extra in terms of of G tolerance. Yeah, and seating position. But it's you know being a fairly tall guy. Um, but I say tall, but I've got long legs, which makes me tall. So um, upper body's not that long. So I know some of the other guys that that fly extras that um, struggle with with uh you know their head on the canopy and and etc so I, I haven't had a problem with that but uh, i think it's just finding whatever's comfortable for you and, and what works for you and, and, and ensuring you're getting full full range of motion did you have do you have the same problem i have a problem with the sc where the uh, the aileron uh push rods rub against my calves do you have that issue too no i've got small calves that's fine that's not a problem oh I no, got, I'm good. I, I'm, I got no, no issues with the leg stuff. Just got them thick calves. <laughs> I'm thick. <laughs> I'm trying to make myself appealing for goody. <laughs> it's funny you guys mentioned seating position. Um, I So I own my midwing with partners, and um, one of the partners just did a beautiful, uh, you know, wash and wax and detailed airplane, and out. it was amazing. And I went to go fly it yesterday, and – I didn't notice it until I was on the taxi out and I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go anyway. But the 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 back was reclined um two holes more than normal. And so I was really reclined in the seat. Um and it I mean it, it not only did it throw my siding off, but it it lowered me because I I was, you know, leaning back. And so it put me at like 
maybe an inch or an inch and a half my my head height below where it normally is and so you know just going out and just you know knocking some cobwebs off i haven't flown aerobatics in a week or so maybe a week and a half and so just having to get established verticals and <laughs> measure that stuff again just Jeez. a couple holes on the on the on the back of the seat uh it threw me off totally uh it's amazing how much once you get used to a, a particular seating position and it's not that this more reclined position in the extra was bad but i'm just used to sitting more upright and it just yeah. man, it threw me way off. I think the extras got one of the tougher seating positions to get right, um, just because it's a two-piece seat. Like the Souk, um, I've I think I've sat in an MX, but I can't really speak on that. I don't really have any experience with it. But you know, the extras just—it's a tricky seat to get right. I'm still kind of figuring it out, to be honest. I don't know if I'm being like well, too needy. Well, and the part that sucks, at least older extra seats, like the more you recline the back the more the bottom of that seat pushes into the small of your back. And it can be real uncomfortable. You know, I guess parachute, uh, what parachute you wear makes a huge difference too. So it's huge. Uh, yeah. It's just, you've you got to spend some time and just, and just get comfortable and play around and, and, uh, and see what works. What parachute are you using, Nigel? I've got a, I've got a strong 305 seat back. Ooh. Okay. So that's, in fact, it's the same one that I I used in 2015. <laughs> I was going to say, that, 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 and that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's proven. It works. I know. Sure. <laughs> Holy shit. How about, how about that she's got some flight time on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh, we, um, got a, we got a couple things to tackle before we, we, uh, we, uh, we get into that. I, I, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to go over like uh, a couple other things. So what kind of, uh, we'll just knock these out, I guess. Right, Mark, uh, what kind of shoes yeah, do you yeah. wear when you fly? Hello. Who are you asking? Imagine Mark. Oh, no, you, uh, you, I uh, mean, I've got the strong, the three or five seat pack. No, what kind of shoes do you, do you wear? Oh, when shoes, you fly oh, sorry, no, I, uh, I'm not fussy with shoes. Eh? So I know a lot of guys like to wear race, racing shoes and those kind of things. I mean, I wear, general sneakers or, or i'm not really fussy about shoes i'm pretty comfortable oh, in, in, in most shoes yeah I, I have spent um quite a bit of time with uh with solomon's um okay. they, they're pretty good they're comfortable what about um, yeah. things like helmets and gloves and um you wear a suit for air shows but do you, do you typically like wearing a, a suit a flight suit um, no, I, I, look, I know a lot of guys, you know, they do and they, they've got the fear of, of, of all kinds of other things. But, you know, I mean, if it's hot, I wear shorts and, 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 and a, and a t-shirt and, um, yeah. you know, it's, we wear, obviously wear suits for sponsorships and stuff at, at air shows, but yeah. I'm not too fussy uh, with that. And I just want to be comfortable at the end of the day. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's really hot sometimes when we fly. And so it's just, it's just not practical to wear a suit. I and, you. um, yeah, and I've got a I've got a bony composites um, helmet. I had a MSA Gallo before, um, but that 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 uh, sort of took a bit of a flight on its own from fifteen hundred feet in France. So um, I got a new helmet, and uh, the bony is a lot lighter, uh, a little bit smaller. So I think it works better in the SC as well. I love the okay. bony. I agree. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit uh, slimmer, but. Um, you know, everybody. There's some people that tried to knock the bonehead to me, and they're like, "Oh." You know, skydive. It is, and to me, like the skydivers have the most head-to-head, -head or like as far as like head bash, you know, hitting something. So that's to me, it's more tested and proven that you know it could take the damage and stuff. And hundred um, percent, yeah. 
Yeah. So, and I recently, um, Robbie Holly uh, recommended some uh, Oregon <laughs> Arrow inserts. So I got the Oregon Arrow uh, ear cups. Yeah. And the and the thing is, like, I almost wanted to just leave it on and wear it to bed. It's so comfortable Did it make it right much now. More comfortable? Oh, dude, it's like, uh, uh Overall, that I was can't. my biggest complaint with the Bonehead Pilot X. Just from out of the box, it, for me, my head, it was not very comfortable. So I spent a lot of time trying to make it comfortable. And yeah, mine has been from the word go. It's been so comfortable. It's just it was absolutely perfect. So, did you get uh, the Oregon Arrow stuff too, Nigel? Or no? no, I must actually get some info on that from you guys. So that'll be nice to get. But uh, no, I've got a standard one with the CEPs, and that's what I've had for. Five did you years listen? Now. Um, I don't know if you listened to our other podcasts. Like our, we have like a total of ten viewers at this point. So we're we're making it big. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so don't be too stressed about this one then. No, no, no. So um, <laughs> did you? We uh, again. Uh, I feel like we just Robbie Holly is just coming across a lot with this. Uh, he had some really great ideas. He um, uh, basically, I saw his his setup and at nationals, and he had on stage. What what are those called, Mark? What's that? Uh, the, uh, the, the CEPs? Yeah, they're not, but not CEPs. They're in-ear uh, pieces. Oh, the in-ear monitors? Yes. Yeah, monitor. yes, they're modified and, uh, and uses those. They're really good. Dude, I did yeah. that, and um, oh, my God. It's so much better because that yeah, problem really I was good. having with the CEPs was it also the CEPs stuck out the ear a little bit more, but that wire kind of ran down in a, in a weird spot on my ear. It might have just been me, but it made it really uncomfortable. So with the in-ear monitors, the stage monitors, it wraps around the top of your ear and then comes down and um oh my god it's such you don't have that wire like pressing up against your that bottom part of your ear canal or whatever it's so much better yeah we i actually went and had um some molded um some molded earpieces made and they take the inside of the cp so they take the sponge off and they build it in, into the earpiece and it actually fits inside your ear and i've heard that way to go and fully modeled and uh, it's, it's it's fantastic and it's as far as noise can't, I don't want to say noise canceling, um, um, just, you know, sounding out the engine. Is it better or worse? Much better. Because I, I feel like it's not going to be a tight fit. That's the thing that like kind of I've, I've known. No, the molded, I mean, the molded fits in your ear and it's, I mean, it's, it, it's inside there. It's very much like the music stuff and it's, it's really good. Well, you heard it from Nigel. We have to do that. Yeah. I've I've heard that's the way to go. I so I tried using in ear monitors. Um, I've done a couple flights on it, and I like it. Um, the thing that I don't like as much is that it um, the passive noise reduction from those is not as good as the CEP. Um, and I use the same tips, but I I feel like um, you know just whatever the plastic is or whatever it is, um, those um, you know in ear monitors aren't they don't block as much quite as much noise um passively but and it's not a huge deal i mean the the midwing extra my, my extra is loud but um it's not too you know wasn't wasn't too big of a deal but the music like i like listening to music when i fly and um i mean the music quality is just insanely better what do you like to you like a big hannah montana fan mark hannah montana <laughs> yeah yeah um a little, little taste of it taste swift J- jonas brothers you know yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. Degrees. Anything from like the Mickey Mouse Club, I'm I'm a fan of. <laughs> totally. Yeah, good old Justin Timberlake days. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you wear a helmet, parachute. Obviously, those those are the the, the staples. Um, do you wear gloves? I've never been a glove person, really. I've tried it a few times, and uh, okay. that's just, that gets too hot. So yeah, I, yeah. I generally don't fly with gloves. 
Oh, you got to try these other gloves. I, it's like a golf rain glove that I've been using for however many years. It's so it's breathable and it's got good grip and it's not like the other golf gloves where, you know, they break down really fast. You ever, do you notice that Nigel, like regular golf gloves, when you use them for flying, you get like, I don't know, maybe like a couple dozen flights out of it. And then the thing starts ripping. Yeah. I have tried them before and yeah, yeah you're right. They don't last pretty long. Yeah. This yeah. one, you get a whole season out of it. Um, it's uh yeah, I'll send you a link. It's called it's a Snake Eyes Rain Golf Club, and they come as a pair. They're twelve bucks for a pair. So uh, awesome! I'll try. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool stuff. And you wear, but you wear a helmet every time you fly acro. Yeah, for acro, That's, one of the main reasons actually is because um, I mean, I, I can't go outside without sunglasses. I just struggle, and uh, having the visor and and not having sunglasses jumping up and down. Um, and fogging up, uh, that that's one of the main reasons why I wear it. Obviously, for protection. I mean, I've unfortunately had a, a few mates that have banged their heads, and um, and and you know we've learned lessons that way. But I see a lot of guys are flying with just in ear pieces these days and and stuff. But for me, it's it's very much about having the visor and and and, and the sun protection. The visor is yeah. so nice. That's my. That's what initially got me on helmets. Yeah, I love having a visor because, especially like I tried with the Clarity Loft. And, you know, I even bought the, um, the sunglasses, like the wire frame, you know, really thin wire sunglasses. Cause you know, if you wear thick sunglasses, then where that ear piece is, it still kind of gets in the way a little bit. And mm. then anytime you push, you know, the glasses move a little bit exactly. and that actually happened. I made a fool. I maybe not too much of a fool, but, um, I was flying a contest and I was doing, it was like a Cuban or something. And. Um, when I set the line from inverted, the glasses like popped off my nose. And then when I wrote the, whatever rotation, they came off and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just finish the sequence. Um, and blah, blah, blah. And then like, sure shit, two figures later, I'm doing something else. And at, right before I'm about to like snap or something, the glass, no, when I snapped, the, I felt the glasses just knock me in the back of my head and I over rotated it. And it was just so fucking, oh my God, geez, I'm never wearing sunglasses again. <laughs> Yeah, so like, that's one of those annoying things. Like, you know, obviously, I mean, I, I wouldn't be too worried about um, sunglasses impinging a flight control back in the tail. You know, you could obviously just snap them. You probably wouldn't even notice yeah. um, them getting, you know, jammed up in a, in a push rod tube. But like the fact, yeah, just them tapping on the back of your head <laughs> when you're trying yeah. to do something precise is enough. Yeah, and I remember, like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I remember it could have been like, when it happened, when I was still flying the sequence or when I was, I remember I was still in the air and I was thinking, I'm like, you know, I wish that like people didn't always complain and blame other things. Cause I have a legit complaint or I can legit say like, I fucked up that figure because some sunglasses hit me in the back of my head, but I just sound like every other asshole that would make an excuse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being like, so pissed. I'm like, no, but they, and like, I was just like, I don't even think I told anybody. This might be the first time. I'm really I serious lie. this time. Yeah, <laughs> something hit me, man. <laughs> we all we all be been there. We all found an excuse for something. All right. So this next uh, this next uh, topic uh, is brought to you by Hooker Harness. You're gonna have to strap in for this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so we're uh, we're gonna take the time machine back. It's 2015. We got a younger Nigel. Um, where where were you? Like where were you? We were we were in France, so um, it uh, it was the first year, really. Well, actually, it was the first year that I could actually take my own airplane to a WAC and uh, or to a World Championships, and um, I, I had a great opportunity and sponsorships and 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 some help from Cargo Lux and, and some mates, 
and managed to get my aircraft overseas. And um, I did a bit of a tour around, did some training in Poland, and then I went join joined the British team in the UK and did some training with them. And and then the headed British across team to France. Are hysterical. The British yeah, they're great guys. They're just, guys. I mean, they just, just, just want to party. Exactly. Right? They just want to party. Much like that <laughs> as Africans, you know. <laughs> so, um, um, but with yeah, Cargo Lux, Cargo Lux, I would love to. But I, what is? How much? I mean, fuck it. How much is it to ship an airplane? Is it? It's crazy, right? Yeah. Look, we 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 got lucky <laughs> on that one, and and Rob, I think you know Rob also made some good contacts um, with them, and 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 got some deals and stuff. I mean, it was obviously still expensive, but got some deals um, where, whereby they, they shipped on a, on a standby basis. And, um, and that sort of helps. So when there was space available, it gave us a good price. The big issue with airplanes is, is the volume, not so much the weight. And um, they gave us a, a, a weight price based on, on, on a standby um, oh, wow. type operation. So that was a huge help. And, um, and we got our airplanes across there and, and then uh, we ended up in France for some training, and, and Xavier was our coach, the British <sighs> team. And, and I, I, I sort of just jumped on the back of the, of the British team's training camp, and et cetera, and, and joined them. And, um, and yeah, we were at this little grass airfield in, in the middle of nowhere, really, and, and, and a whole bunch of cornfields. And it was. So, so, how long were you? So, you got there on, let's say, before this um, incident happened. Um, how many days were you, were you, had you been flying aerobatics or was it the first flight up? No, we, we're probably on day four, I would say. Oh. So we'd done, so, done most of the aeristic training and, and I, I was just pretty much doing one of my last aeristic um, training flights. And then I said, look, at the end of it, I'd just like to do some freestyle figures because I wanted to enter the freestyle competition. And he said, no, you'll help me with that. And it was nice. uh, pretty much then when I did the first pull up for the first freestyle figure that uh, that, that life changed a bit, you know. So basically, you took off. You're like, I, I got to practice some freestyle, and you know, Xavier, who's godlike, um, was like, "All right, cool, I'll, I'll take you." Yeah, and well, yeah. We I first did. Uh, I think I first flew my my known sequence, um, the unlimited known, and did that a few times. And then I said, "Okay, well, I'm done now." So I said, "Okay, I'll climb up and dive down." And I just said to him, "Just have a look at the first figure and see what you think," you know, and. Uh, as I pulled up and the nose went through the horizon, um, yeah, things things went a bit strange. So, did you know, anything you're... feel different before that happened? Or, or no, what? nothing at all. It was a, I mean, it was a total surprise. It, <laughs> it was, um, yeah, the normal, you know, normal freestyle dive down, just short of any, probably about eight G pull. Uh, I'd say about eight hundred feet, nine hundred feet, maybe. And um, as the nose went through the horizon, I could just, I could just feel. Well, I could feel things breaking, and uh, I just knew immediately I had no control. The aircraft started rolling uncontrollably, and uh, did you and hear like scared. a pop? It was almost like if you if you stood on a on a wooden box and it broke, um, probably very much the same kind of noise feel, you know, sort of that around my backside kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Wow. and um, so you, like, I don't want to. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Um, you know, because I had a, a canopy fall off and or break apart, and I re, I don't remember I remember a decent amount of it, but I remember hearing this one sound. You know, before that had happened, um, and you're saying you heard a pop, and the airplane just starts rotating wildly. I would assume, right, without without its wing. Yeah, it's. Um, Did you look out and like, see I'm no a, wing? 
no, I didn't even know at the time. I mean, fortunately, I'm a bit of a control freak. So I just knew straight away I had no control. Um, you know, it was just, uh, you know, everybody, everybody says, you know, were you scared? And did you get a fright? And actually, no, there was just no time. I just, Probably didn't have time, yeah. Well, nothing. You know, I just, I looked ahead. The aircraft was rotating. I had the stick in my hand and, and no control. And I just knew this is not good. It, um, How fast you know, was it rotating? Uh, uh, probably normal normal rotation speed. Um, oh, I thought it would have been like something stupidly fast. No, it, it, it didn't feel it didn't feel you know alarmingly fast or anything like that. It just you know just just the big thing for me was I had no control. You know, so um, it was a, it was an instantaneous decision. I didn't really look beyond that. I guess you know it was just I need to get out. And uh, and and how high were you? I, I would say I pitched up at about eight hundred. So. <laughs> At a guess, probably just going through a thousand feet on the way up. Holy um, fuck! Wow. N- nose was just through the horizon, and probably five or ten degrees up when it happened. So it seems then, like we're like three seconds into this thing. Fucking pop! Planes rotating. You got nothing, and the you have no motor at this point, right? When did you did you even realize well, the motor? No, I, I, mean, I didn't know at all. You know, so uh, you know, just knew something in, was in hindsight and looking back and everything, you'll probably find that with the engine coming out and, and, and the loss of, of the inertia, that, that was probably a good thing because it slowed everything down. But, um, you know, I mean, yeah. it was so instantaneous. You've seen the photograph and, and there's an open parachute right next to an airplane. That's how quick it all happened. You know, it's a, yeah. it was literally, and I mean, I'll tell you the story of, of what happened on the ground from the other guys, but in terms of how quick it was. But, you know, I, I knew immediately and, and I went straight for the canopy, undid the seatbelts. Um, you know, I didn't really have to jump, if you call it that. I think the aircraft that's more than likely zero g loaded by that stage i think the engine had come out and it was more just push away from the airplane kind of kind of thing you know it's, what did um, you do when you obviously you you're a brilliant guy for it's incredible um what you did when you you made the decision in your head after i guess a couple seconds that you got to get out of this airplane you reach for the canopy to, to un uh undo the canopy have you before we even get into that did you do any training on the ground, like in your prior experience as an aerobatic pilot in years past, you know, for this type of bailout or, or any type of procedure related to this? Like, did you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I wrote an article about it, which um, I did put on my, my Facebook page and my aerobatic Facebook page and sent out to quite a few people and uh, more just from a learning experience. And, it, and I don't know, maybe just as you get a bit older or you get a bit more experience and you start thinking about the what ifs and, and stuff. And, it, you know, it, it was something that I had. I had practiced and thought about it. Um, you know, every time I got into the airplane, I would almost do the reverse of a bailout, if you want to call it that. And just, and and I, I certainly do that a lot more now. But yeah, um, you know, it, it was something that I thought about, and I always, I always when I put the parachute on, um, felt where the ripcord was. I used to, I used to have the leave the parachute in the airplane and and climbing and, and strapping in the in the aircraft, and but I always used to go and find the ripcord before I strapped in and. But I've changed that routine now since, and and I always put the parachute on outside the airplane and and actually run the drill of of opening or of you know pulling the ripcord as a drill if you want to call it that before climbing yeah. in. But I, I always used to do that anyway, and and always you know when you put your seatbelts on, just have a, a little thought process of well, this is how I put it on, but how am I going to get it off? So and, uh, so yeah, so, so just, you... just the reverse of of the getting in and, and the getting out, and you can do the same drill or the same exercise when you leave the airplane after your flights yeah. as well, just as a practice. Right. So 
Okay, so back to we're in this. You made the decision. You're gonna you're gonna go for the canopy. So you go for the canopy with with two hands, one hand, and do you duck your head? Like, are you or are you just like I gotta get out of this fucking? No, thing? it's. I mean, it, it, it was literally. I know. I knew I wasn't very high, and I had to get out. I mean, I, it was. So you're like, I don't head. care if the canopy even hits me in the head. Like, nah, I, just, I had a helmet on, so I wasn't too worried. And I've got a hard head. I come from Africa, so. And did the canopy? <laughs> did, it, did the canopy? Do you remember the did it? Because it's got a. A lanyard, I, I assume, right, to keep it, it does, open. Yeah, I think you know, it obviously, the shape, the shape of the canopy and the lift. I mean, it just ripped straight out. It, it there was no, there was no issue there. So the second you, you unlatch it, I think the amount of airflow and lift on the canopy just pulls it straight off. And so, then, uh, so canopy's gone. And did you? I was taught with the uh, to unhook the horn, the hooker, the lap belt. Um, you put your, you know, palms on each side and, you know, clap together and, and it will release. Is that what you did or you just fucking just went for it, however? I just, I went for it, but I, I did pretty much what you said. So both hands down, um, pushed together and then, uh, and then basically just pushed off the seat um, and, and then found myself in open air, I guess. And did the, uh, the helmet, I assume, was still connected? Did it just, you didn't even feel it depart the, uh, the uh whatever the plugs yeah it, it actually came right off my head so um yeah i think it you know with the airflow it just ripped straight out it um it came off my head broke the strap and off it went um with the helmet so it probably wasn't you know the yeah the msa galas have got that it doesn't have a you know the clip is just a a sliding clip and it obviously wasn't strong enough to handle the airflow and, and off it went okay but the helmet stayed on no it came off completely off Oh my gosh! You wow, wow! You're lucky it didn't mess up your neck. Yeah, holy I shit! A, I think I was a lost in my worries at that stage. So, so how, yeah. When you when you um, how long did it take to? I mean, obviously, as an estimation. I mean, I know we've all seen the pictures, but how how high were you when the canopy fully deployed? I was I was probably still at about a thousand feet. Um, okay. You know, the guys on the ground, Xavier was actually watching. So he just heard a loud bang and saw, I think, what was the engine go off in one direction. And he followed that and then just put his head in his hands. And then uh, when he looked up again, there was a parachute. And um, the British guys, uh, uh, um, Gerald Cooper and uh, and uh, Ed's sister, I think he's in the, in the States there now as well. He was, they were in the hangar literally about 10 meters away from the door. And they heard this almighty bang. And by the time they got to the door, they um, they saw the parachute. That's how quick it all happened. So, wow. it, um, so it was probably... thought you were a toast, huh? Yeah. Well, he just, I mean, he saw the engine going straight at the ground. I don't think he saw anything else. And when he looked up, there was a parachute. So, he was quite Holy ridiculous. shit. So, you, um, you're you at an airplane. I mean, did you feel any type of like, well, obviously, did you reach for the, or you just found a D-ring right away? Or did you hold the D-ring before you kind of... Off. No, I mean, I went for it straight away. So I've always got the the habit of, you know, the way I go for it is across my arms. So right hand down to the D-ring, left, left arm across, and then pull open. And uh, that, that all worked well. And um, Yeah, I heard some people saying that, you know, in free fall, <laughs> it's an emergency and you might not be able to find the D-ring, so hold the D-ring before you jump. But obviously, in this case, it's just a fucking wild story. I mean... No, yeah, there was, there was no sort of that process. Is, it sounds like you were, I mean... Uh, almost pure, um, obviously adrenaline, but, uh, instinctual ability 
you know. Um, yeah, well, look, fortunately, I, I mean, I'd done 20, 20 skydives before, so you know, it's not, it wasn't my first time out of an aeroplane. So oh, that definitely helps. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that definitely helped, but yeah, it was more instinct than, than anything else, I guess. It, you know, I think if you're going to plan to bail, then yes, grab the deering before you jump, and that works yeah. well. But in this situation, so, very different. Yeah. Did you wait to, were you like when you were falling, you fell out, you know, you're out of the airplane, you're going for the deering. Were you, did you, well, you're so low, you probably just, you, you went for it. You didn't care if the airplane was right behind you or whatever. And, you know, you pulled it. I mean, what was it like with the emergency chute opening? Um, did, that was, was instantaneous. I mean, I, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have much speed. So, you know, there it, it was no issue with that, but uh, it was amazing how quickly it opened. It was pulled, wow. pulled the deering and, and, Bam! It was it was open. So you know, they obviously designed to do that, and and it was incredible. That's amazing. Opened, yeah. And you and I, I, mean, I remember opening, looking up, and say, "Wow, I've got a parachute!" Looking down, and the airplane was right in front of me. You know, that, that's how quick it all happened. Wow! And the airplane was on the ground before you, obviously. Yeah, not not much before me. I mean, I, I, I sort of looked at the airplane. I thought, "Hang on, that doesn't look right. There's there's no wing. There's uh, hang on, the engine's gone." You know, it was. I had a bit of time to to look at it and go, "Wow, all right," and then. Uh, and then looked down and, we were, you know, I was sitting on in the middle of a cornfield. And um, then it was more an issue of of um, how I'm going <laughs> to land between all these all these stalks <laughs> of corn, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're probably <laughs> just like, you're like, I don't even give a shit if I break both my legs. Like, no, I was out of that thing. Been, yeah. Did you do like uh, a, what do you do? You, you kind of roll, right? You, you, you're supposed to like uh, not lock your knees and then try to try to roll into it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I... I grew up at a parachute club, so I, um, you know, I've done lots of those jumping out of the little practice airplanes and stuff. So I've done many, many of those tuck and rolls. But uh, you know, so you're I telling me that you walked away from this thing, not even, you know, maybe a couple of scratches from some corn, but no, uh, no fucking broken bones or anything. Not one, not one scratch. I had a very sore back, um, just I think obviously from the G force. But uh, yeah, yeah, not a scratch. Wow, that's amazing. That is it, bravo, man. That's incredible. You freaking legendary right there but yeah no, i guess that's an incredible that's an incredible story i mean it uh, when did it all when did it all click in for you that what it happened i mean like how you know you let the dust settle you get the shoot you, you get out of the shoot you're on the and ground how much, and how much beer did you drink that night <laughs> uh, yeah there was a bit of adrenaline so yeah i had a couple and i was pretty tired after that but um, no, I actually landed in the middle of this cornfield and uh, took the parachute off and started walking and then realized I didn't know where I was going because it was just, you know, just <laughs> thick, thick corn. And, um, but while I, was, while I was coming down in the chute, um, Ed was running across, across the field and screaming and going mad. And, and, uh, and I landed and then I, started, I heard him screaming again and uh, he was wading through the corn. And, and I remember him sort of looking down, wading, and he obviously – saw my feet and looked up at me and the look on his face was quite priceless and uh, I wish I had a camera then. It yeah. was quite something, yeah. Wow. I want to I wanna, like cry right now. Jeez. That's freaking... It's, it's incredible. Yeah. What did Xavier say? No, he was he was quite relieved. Now, unfortunately, he's he's seen a couple... In fact, he's, he's seen a Sukhoi lose its wing in, in front of him and, and go in and, 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 and a good mate of his never made it. And uh, so, you know, I think he was pretty relieved and happy and Oh, yeah. As as were everybody. I mean, it was, it was a huge amount of shock, and uh, I think the, yeah. the, the the most amazing thing was the lady that got that photograph. You know, she had she'd been so, was that a photograph in the airplanes? Yeah, she'd been she'd been taking photos of the airplanes and had totally the wrong. We were having stuff. a big debate. Everybody was like, "Oh no, Jeff, that's a uh, that's a clip from the video." They were shooting video. I'm like, 
No, okay, we, had, no. we had no video. I mean, uh, it's actually very sad because I generally fly with a GoPro. And I think had I had a GoPro on, on the wing, I might have I might have been able, been able to pay for a new airplane at the end of the day. But that no didn't kidding. happen. But, that would have um, gone viral. Yeah. Yeah, for yes. sure. But you know, she, uh, she was taking photos of us flying beforehand and she'd put her camera down. And as she heard this bang, she literally lifted the camera and just started snapping and, and managed to get that photograph. That's what person. I was saying. Like, you know, wow. we were talking, you know, there's no secret. This, this is a, this is a, um, a moment that I think is going to be in aerobatic history for forever. And to, uh, you know, to have the, whatever, the wherewithal to just, after seeing something like this happen, to have the, the coolness or the calmness to, to take a photo is just incredible to me. Like I would have just been there, like in total shock with my jaw on the floor. Like, yeah, not yeah, taking I, I think yeah, the fact that she wasn't actually following it and just heard a bang and, and picked up the camera is probably the luck of it, but yeah, it probably works out. Yeah. worked out. Yeah. in in the favor of getting a, those shots, how many, um, I mean, I don't know this number and I know it's not, um, a tremendous amount. I mean, I know that how cones, yeah, have a uh, a successful bailout. Um, your successful bailout, but there. I mean, uh, you know, the we don't Tucker. see a lot of Tucker's. Ha God, hasn't he had three? He's in like yeah. he's like almost a bailout ace. Um, <laughs> but you know, other than that, you know, you don't. You, we don't have a lot of um, you know these successful bailout stories to tell. So obviously, it's amazing. We're, we're of course glad you're still with us, but just to be able to um to hear about it and and to see it and to witness it uh, would you have done anything differently looking back no well i think i think the first thing to say is that uh, thank goodness we don't see a lot of these because it means that the aircraft are pretty strong and, and built well and, yeah. and, and and we're not having catastrophic failure so that's that's the first good thing and uh, now secondly uh, yeah i don't think i could have done anything differently um it's you know it, it worked out well at, at the end of the day and, uh, and 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 i managed to get out of it so i can't say i could have done anything differently at all um on the day you know do you um yeah. do you miss flying the mx2 because i watched some videos of you flying and it's it's you, you say the least you're fucking awesome um do you do you miss that that airplane because i know the sc doesn't really have that freestyle capability that the mx had well, um, surprisingly, the, the SC is really good in, in freestyle. Um, you know, I miss, there's certain things I do miss about it. I mean, the comfort of the airplane, it was really comfortable to fly. Um, you know, it, uh, you know the, the extra seat and, and luggage space and, and, you know, the airplane was a bit faster and, and, and carried more fuel. And, you know, from, from that aspect, yes, I miss it. It, it was a great airplane. Um, but in terms of, of ease to fly and, and, you know, and yeah, I just, I just really enjoy the SC. It's just, it's just an all-round fantastic airplane, but different. You know, the MX, the MX was different. Uh, it, um, it, it turned heads. It, the acceleration of the airplane was great. Uh, you know, it, it made a good noise. It, it was fantastic. I just loved it. Yeah. Was there anything? You know, when obviously um, you got the SC. Was there any other airplanes you were considering to, to go into, or were you just like, you know what? Um, um, you know, the SC is coming, doing great in the rest of the in competition. It's proven and, um, you know, yada, yada, yada. Was there any other airplanes that well, you were the, looking at? There were a couple of considerations. I mean, I did speak to MX afterwards. Um, you know, I mean, the fact that we didn't at the time really know what, what had happened was, was a concern. Um, you know, uh, and, and they, they, they couldn't build me another airplane for 18 months. So that was an issue. 
Um, you know, the focus at the time, I think, was on Red Bull. And um, yeah. and, and just that, the, sort of the fear of the unknown, I guess. Um, and then, you know, do you go experimental? Do you go certified? Uh, what do you do? You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to fly competition? Are you going to fly um, air shows? And, you know, air shows are a big part of it for me because that's what pays the bills. So um, yeah. I couldn't just say, okay, I'm only going to fly resty because it wouldn't have worked. But so, you know, the only real options were the MX, the SC or the or the Extreme Air. And I just I just didn't like the Extreme Air all round, you know, for competition and air shows. I mean, I think it's a great air show airplane and it's got nice ergonomics and nice lines, but... Um, yeah, I heard yeah, it's it, it just didn't appeal to me. That's what I heard. Yeah, it's just you know that the lines aren't good and 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 uh, control harmony. I, I didn't enjoy and you know but that's personal preference. So, you know, I'm not going to knock the airplane. But um, yeah. the only thing that really made sense and, and and extra was fantastic to me. They really looked after me and 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 you know Christian and and then the guys at the factory and they did whatever they could to help and 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 get me an airplane as quick as possible. And that was sort of the the you know the the main drive there and and, the, and they looked after me and the, and the airplane is great it's just a fantastic airplane you know yeah what are your what are your thoughts with um you know mx is i mean i was talking to mark about them it's it's the mxs is just such a it's such a gorgeous airplane what do you what do you think i mean they got this factory in australia now and something's happening i guess in the u.s with the strip i don't know what do you what is what's the future with them do you do you think i know there's one going to europe do you think it's going to catch on? Do you think people are going to start flying the MXS around the world? Um, I, I think they may. I, I've been I've been to the factory in in, in Perth and, and met Jack and the guys, and, and they've got a great setup there, and they're, they're really nice guys. And uh, and uh, I think the, the you know the, the after sales service and the service is, is probably going to be a lot better than it was before. Um, and um, you know they've got some good improvements. They spend a lot of time with Rob and 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 just getting all the the, the little. What, what do you want to call it? Experimental issues sorted, um, and um, and I think you know from what I've seen and what I saw with the factory, I think it's going to be a great product. Uh, whether whether it's going to take off as well as as the certified aircraft in the game bird and the extra, I'm not too sure. Um, yeah. I know I know experimental in the states is not that much of an issue, um, but but that is for, for foreign countries depending on the country that um that's a real barrier to entry right now right well 100 percent. so i mean the experimental just doesn't work in europe so it's yeah. um that, that's a huge issue it only really works in the states and that's why the mx did work in the states and has yeah so um i like yeah, it i, I mean i, I, I would time like will tell you know i would yeah. like it to um and it's just interesting you know it's got you know mx went to they got bought out or something you know business deal happened and now they're in australia under new ownership um and from what i understand it's you know there's been a lot of different mods to it um you know it's easier to access certain things yada 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 um do you think um as for, like the new the new mx is getting built right now is there a difference in the way they're being built as prior to the other ones um Okay, the, the the product was good. I mean, they had some really good guys building the aircraft, and you know, the, the kit is good. And 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 I think that you know, I don't think any has really changed there. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit more personal now. But the thing about the MX is you're going to get a custom built airplane. You're not going to get a factory built aircraft. You're not going to get you know a stock standard aircraft coming out. They're going to build it to whatever you want, and 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 that's that's also nice because you can specify exactly what you want and how you want it. And, you know, it's, you know, for the guys that that have, have a lot of experience in their own airplanes and, and and they know what they want, I think that that'll make it a great product. 
you know, uh, if you're going to come in as an entry level pilot and you you want an MX, you know, what are you going to order? You know, what do you know? Yeah. You know, what are you going to get? Are you going to get a standard airplane or or something like that? So you know, for a guy like Rob, it works beautifully because he knows exactly what he wants and how he wants it, and um, and he can change and tweak what he wants. Where he's probably not going to get that with the likes of of the certified airplanes. Yeah, I I hope it. Um, I think it will, and I really. Because I mean, can you relate, Nigel? Like you go to some like these competitions, and um, I hope I don't sound too dumb here, but you see, every everybody's pretty much got an SC, and you know, a, a rusty flying gets a little bland, you know, unless there's like a, you know, a, a top contender flying. But it's it's the same airplane every time, and it'd be nice to see a lot, you know, like back in the '90s, it was you had Cavs, you had the Sukhois, you had some extras, um, you know, it was a lot of like diversity. I think that's always good. Look, unfortunately, RST from a spectator point of view is is pretty bland, um, unless you know what's going on. So, you know, yeah. you're not really going to change that. You know, you, you take the average spectator who looks at RST, and whether it's an MX or, or an extra, it's the same airplane. But, you know, for us, it is nice to see different airplanes. And I think for judges, it's also nice to see different airplanes. And, and um, you know, I think that that's why other, other types of events um, of not just RST or where you can bring in a bit of freestyle or, you know, change the, the event up a little bit, would be great to have different airplane tops in there. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, what's your overall, uh, Mark? We got. I guess we got to ask the uh, the question <laughs> we said we weren't going to. <laughs> <laughs> but like, oh gosh, like, what's your what? What's I fuck it? I don't care. What airplane excites you? Like, what's your, what's your favorite uh, airplane? Uh, air, but we'll stick to aerobatics. How about that? Oh, you know, I get asked that question so much, and and it depends what you're doing. I mean, you know, if if we're flying purely a resty, then I'm sorry, I have to say the SC. You know, but yeah. if you're going if you're going out there and you're just going to go and play and and freestyle, and you know, I and mean, yeah, the MX was the MX was awesome. As great as the SC is in in, in a resty, the MX was great. It's just you know the extra speed and the acceleration was was awesome. But then you know I can climb in a T six and go and, and do aerobatics and that that to me is wow you know so you flying yeah. classic or, or a pit special or flying the biplane it's uh, I don't know I just it's such a difficult question to answer because it depends on the day yeah. and what you're doing and you know you're just four, a, pits, four pit specials just, together information is just special too you know it's uh, yeah it's a tricky question yeah you're just a flying whore let's face it yeah say anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like any anything that's cool or fun, and, and and again, it's yeah, it's it's rock and roll versus classical versus country. You know, you can, you know, there's people that like them all for different reasons, and they're they're different, but they're you know they're all great in their own way, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Do you see yourself? Do you do you ever do you ever see yourself? You know, flirting with the idea of an MXS or an MX2 again? Probably not. Um, yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I mean, I, I certainly love what I do, but. I've probably got to the stage now where I'm 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 pretty comfortable with where I am, and you know, in terms of of goals and stuff, it's difficult. Different priorities, different goals. Um, I'm not quite sure what the future is going to hold financially and etc. Sure, so sure. at the moment, no, uh, you know, it's not something I'm aspiring to um, to get to. And, and you know, what are your goals uh, uh, with the SC? Um, obviously, you know, you and the SC are a great match. Um, you know, you fly it beautifully. What 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 is your ultimate goal or, or, you know, what are you setting your sights on? Uh, right now, um, not much because of where we are it's just, you know, in the sort of global economy and, and COVID and, and where we are you know, in the world. I mean, I, I just don't know if in a few years time, if I've got more time and more money, I'd, 
I'd like to, um, you know, give give Wack another crack. But um, you know, right now, I just I just don't have those goals. I don't have the aspiration right now. With, you know, with the current job situations and, and financial situations, it's it's really difficult to answer. It's um, sure, you know, that that unfortunately uh, has a has a huge impact on on what we can do and, and how we set our goals at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. it's, it's all about money, time and money. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hey, um, since we're so like ADD on the show and we talk about random things, um, I, I don't know why I kind of thought of this with Red Bull with the Aris. Did you did you get an invite to that? Did you want to try? Like, what what were your thoughts on that? Because I'm surprised that you weren't in it. To be yeah, honest. at um after the 2010 um, uh, well just before the 2010 AWAC actually I was. I was invited to come to a camp, um, and, but unfortunately, you know, the whole Red Bull thing uh, was stopped at that time. And when it reopened again, you know, things had changed. I'm not quite sure. Sort of fell out of favour, and whatever the reasons were. And I'd already done a couple of other kind of events, which may have been a bit conflicting. And uh, yeah, it just it just never happened for me. I would have loved to have done it, and um, you know, it would have been a great experience. But yeah, timing was off, and it, it never worked, and for whatever reason, and. Uh, and you I know, think they had a one. The it was. It was a, they had a one Nigel policy at Red Bull. <laughs> Good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the M- the MX just destroyed everybody in in Red Bull. That plane. Yeah, yeah, it was so a great, fast. So it was fast. a great airplane. Yeah. Uh, that's it was, crazy, it was fun man. to watch the development. Like, um, you know, in in competition aerobatics, we don't really see this. And I mean, I think that's why, like, people that you know are drawn to you know things like f1 and and different racing um um sanctions where you can watch development and advancement of you know aerospace technologies and red bull was a perfect example of watching the the variations of the edge and the variations of the mx and getting to see the differences almost year by year um and and what they were doing that that was really cool to see and you you don't see it like that anywhere else because there's just not that um head-to-head type style of competition, like in aerobatics. I mean, um, and everybody's, so, I, I mean, they're secretive in Red Bull too, but it, it was fun to watch, you know, the, the iteration of the, you know, eventually the V3, Edge by 40 V3, and then the MXSR. It was cool to see that. Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know, I think, you know, as you said earlier, I mean, it's, it's all about money. You see it at Reno as well. You know, a huge amount of money goes into technology-wise, and, and Red yeah. Bull put on a, a great production. I mean, the TV productions were fantastic, and, you know, Fantastic. It, it created great hype from from that aspect. So, uh, you know, and 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 it got quite technical. The telemetries and everything they worked with, and uh, you know, oh, every yeah. little every little gram counted, and every little bit of uh, aerodynamics made uh, helped. And you know, each track was different. It was it was exciting. It was it was good to watch. It was super exciting. I, I that was one of the saddest things to see that that um, that they shut that down again. And I hope I hope Red Bull brings it back or somebody can revive it because um, the whole dynamic of that, the team environment. Yeah, the fact that the courses were different, uh, new challenges. Um, it, I didn't feel like it was cheesy at all. Maybe some people did feel like it was cheesy, but you know, I, you know, I thought it was just you know a real show of skill and technology, and then, um, it, you know, it made for an exciting production. The the production yeah. value was was second to none. I mean, it really was. Yeah, I think that, that, that really made it. You know, it's um, the, the the guys were, were were brilliant. The commentary was great and. You yeah. know, it's uh, and and just everything the head to heads and 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 the production, uh, you know, overlays. The You're right. The announcer was, was great. great. Yeah, I, Paul Bonham I, was phenomenal. I mean, he's obviously no, well, a phenomenal aerobatic pilot. Well, yeah, then, Paul, um, but Nick Fellows. I don't with, know how. Yes, how do yeah. I know his name? The guy um, sounded yeah, like brilliant. he was like a Mexican soccer TV announcer. It was, was freaking awesome. It was yeah, awesome. And of course, Spanky. 
was on there, but yeah. not again. I mean, yeah. It's just a card, yeah. you know. And it's crazy what they got away with. Like they let, you know, the entrance was you fly under a bridge. Like <laughs> that is so cool. Um, I know. There was yeah, yeah. Peter, I mean, Peter Best, yeah, that was his brainchild. And I mean, he's just a phenomenal guy as well. He's yeah. just legend. Yeah, total legend. I mean, we're, I like to talk to him. I mean, we have there, we're going to try to get Phil, well, we're going to get Philip on the show and um, with, you know, talking about Peter and that whole like group of people that did Motiji. That you know the uh, Motegi, yes, yeah. that was like, um, like I grew up watching. Mark and I both were just obsessed with those videos, and like what Peter did with a 300L or a 300S was just it was really really neat. He's a really good pilot. Yeah, he pushed the boundaries. Yeah, he was it was a, a showman of note. Yeah, and I can't believe we made it this long without talking about um, a couple of things. We didn't. Do you? So Nigel, are you on Aerobatic Pilots Group, the Facebook page? Yes, I'm. Okay, great. Because um, we love talking about this uh, this guy who's on it. His name is well, we named him Massage. He's got some weird Polish name that we don't even know how to pronounce. Is this but, the MX uh, dude? Yeah, it's Mache. But he's the guy. The, the MX dude. Yeah, no, no, no. He's got a midway. That's Micho. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. No, this is a he's a kind of new to the sport a little bit, following for a while. He just got a midwing, a white midwing. He we went down to South Africa and flew with with some of the guys. But um, he's like at war with with Ad- Well, I wouldn't say at war with Adrian, but he makes like those like pictures with the you know the memes and everything with Jen Bro. <laughs> and I, okay. Do you follow that at all? At all? Uh, I've seen this quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> so you're pro. I'm pro, and I think it gets people talk. I mean, what else is going to get people talking these days? Yeah, exactly. Right? You got to got to get some hop going. What do you think? Do you know anything about the Gen Pro besides what's kind of public? No, not much. I mean, it, yeah, I've spoken cool. to. To a couple of guys that have flown it, but yeah, I don't, I don't know too much about it. Yeah. What they say? What are their thoughts? It? Yeah, I'm curious. If if you can, if you can touch on it, you can divulge. Uh, no, I think uh, you know. I mean, it's it's a it's a modern aerobatic airplane. Uh, you know, I don't, nobody's really raved about it. So you know, it, it hasn't it hasn't done much internationally. So uh, I think it's still got to prove itself. So yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'm not quite sure where it's going to go. Sounds like you don't like it. I don't know enough to comment. <laughs> I'll take the fifth on it. <laughs> oh my god, you're like Justin Hickson, just total Swiss on that one. <laughs> oh man, well they only got a couple. I mean, I wish them the best. It looks like, I mean, I really like the way it looks. Um, and you know, you can appreciate people trying to enter the market a little bit, but it's you know, it goes back to you know, I feel like we d- we're beating a dead horse, and you know, with extra, they just have such a foothold. And exactly. such, it's just how do you? It's it's very brave to enter the aerobatic airplane market right now. With right. you know, you, you need a guy like you know, yeah, you need you know, Gamebird had tremendous brains from Philip and and great funding, and that's the only way you're going to be able to do it. It seems. Yeah, well, I mean, I think if you're in Europe, I mean, how do you take extra on in Europe? You know, it's you can't. Um, Philip's, Philip's in the states, and that's great, and it's going to work. It's you know he, his product in America is going to be fantastic. And uh, yeah, but how do you how do you take on extra in Europe? It's just it's really difficult. Did you fly to Gamebird? I haven't. No, I'd, I'd like oh, to. Oh, you gotta fly. I loved it, and everybody's knocking. They're like, "Oh, you but you have an SC." I'm like, "Well, I think that I think for a two seater, I'm not afraid to say this. Um, for a two seater certified, um, I think the Gamebird." Um, outperforms the LX. I haven't flown the NG yet, um, but it outperforms the LX. 
And I happen to like, I think that the elevator is just a little too big on it. I don't know why he throws those like barn doors on the elevator. Um, yeah, you know, Philip and Freestyle are, are good mates. So that's, that's probably, yeah, you know, where, where he's, he's, where he's, 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 his 3D stuff is really good. So, yeah, yeah Spock in the extreme area, like, you, you know, there's things of the game bird where you're like, okay, you're, you're kissing cousins to, to something else. And, and that's exactly, <laughs> I mean, the, those large tails and large wings, you know, are like yep. just part and parcel to the, it's a very okay. Philip flavor. I really loved it. The ergonomics of it were great. I thought the feeling of was uh was really really nice. It rolls nice. It snap. I thought I thought it snaps nice. Um, I just I really like. I and it was fast. I mean, it was a. Yeah, I love it. I think, you know, one day if I if I'm, I think I'll be looking to get a two seat aerobatic airplane one day, and um, I think uh, you know, not, not including the NG because I haven't really flown it, but. I think it's gonna. I think I'm gonna go Game Bird. I don't. I don't know. It's a. Uh, it's really cool. I'm excited yeah. for you to fly one, Nigel. Are there any more? So, it's difficult, but fly them both and, and yeah, and see. Well, I mean, and yeah, I've, I've only seen the NG up close and, and watched it, watched it perform, and it's it's fantastic. But I haven't flown either of the two, so it's I can't really comment on that. And that's where the call drops off. And for some reason, the audio software that we were using to record did not continue the conversation like it did before which had like three drops uh so it was unfortunate um anyway um thank you so much for uh nigel hopkins coming on and uh talking to us and sharing his story i've been wanting to hear about his bailout story for so long and um it was a real pleasure to talk to him really really nice guy and i can't wait to have him back on the uh, podcast anyway uh we're sorry for the audio issues for some reason um my mic says it was it was picking up the the signal, but uh, listening to the audio back uh, as I was editing this podcast, it sounds like my my MacBook mic was the one picking up the audio. So um, this this new audio software that we're using to you know we're we're trying to connect, and in this case uh, we're connecting people in different continents. You know Jeff and I are across the country, and then um, Nigel's in South Africa. So. Um, the logistics and, and trying to find a, a recording solution that that gets all of our voices, does it in a high audio quality, or at least high enough to be uh, to be worthy of listening to, and then to be able to to save that and, and have it you know kind of in a package that um, you know an easy solution I guess I'll say you know it's kind of hard to find so. I do apologize for I apologize for the audio quality, apologize for the drops, but hopefully you guys learn something and, and get to learn more, uh, a little bit more about Nigel and um, you know definitely follow him on Facebook, check out Team Extreme. Uh, Nigel posts some really kick-ass footage. He's a, a phenomenal, phenomenal pilot. If you haven't already seen um, seen his flying, look him up on YouTube. And um, thanks again for listening to the episode, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 